Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. All right, our post-draft show is a busy day yesterday, and we'll uh, break down some of the uh, draft that went on yesterday. In fact, we're going to talk to the number one pick for the Rough Riders, third overall, Lake Corte Moore. He is the defensive lineman taken out of UBC. The biggest cheer of the night went to Jackson Ford for his... uh, we're for the rider selection of him, 11th overall. We'll go back to last night's draft show, which was operated by our great friend Sean Kleisinger, who is uh, operating this presentation of the show, too. And, uh, yeah, uh, Jackson Ford joined us, and we will uh, get to that a little later on. We're also going to hear from uh, former NHL referee Dave Jackson, who's the ESPN rules analyst. Jordan Everly had a goal and a helper last night for the Seattle Kraken in Dallas. Game one victory there. And um, Ebbs will join us live from the Lone Star State, where it's uh, like 85 degrees. Not exactly hockey weather, but hey, it's okay. Anyway, Ebbs will join us. We'll also... um, well, we'll take your calls and texts, and we'll hear from Luke Molliner, who broke down all the picks and looked at some video of the Ryder draft picks. That happens after 5.30. NHL tonight, uh, well, no Evander Kane for the morning skate for the Oilers, but that's not a big surprise. He hasn't had a morning skate with the Oilers before a game since Game 3. Oilers in the Vegas goal. The Knights opening up their series in Las Vegas. And the other one tonight, Carolina taking on New Jersey. Last night, the Toronto Maple Leafs fell to the Florida Panthers. 4 to 2, 34 saves for Sergey Bobrovsky and Matthew Kachuk, who is hell on wheels. He had three assists for the Florida Panthers in that big game one victory. And like I said, you know, Seattle beat Dallas 5 4. Winnipeg Ice. 5-1 over Saskatoon yesterday. They're one game away from sweeping out the Blades. I think we can basically stick a oh, fork in the Blades. I'm so sick of the Blades, to be honest with you. Well, Just go done. away already. They're done. They're you know done. what I mean? They're done. Yeah, they're done. I saw their, their head coach was named Coach of the Year today. I think yeah. I saw that go it's across a, the it's water. It's pretty good. He had over a 100-point season. And, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, Brennan Sonny. And uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds lost... For the first time in the WHL playoffs, falling to the Kamloops Blazers 4-1, the host, uh, the Memorial Cup hosts, the Blazers back in their series down two games to one. But man, I, I went, it's so nice outside Zinger. I went for two walks today. It says plus 25 now. Yeah, it's beautiful. Woo. I don't even know what the wind is, but and it's I'm gorgeous. wearing a jacket. What's go- with that? It's gorgeous. It's go- I'm in shorts today. I yeah. look like I should be golfing. The only problem is I got to work. Um, but speaking of golf, Let's uh, head out on the old uh, Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get oh. it fast at Western Pizza. And you did that yesterday. Oh, we'll, we'll, I got it hot and I got it what fast did you get? Last What did you night? get? That's a perfect way to wrap up the <laughs> I got a triple crown extra cheese. Mwah. 
Ooh, it was good. That is good. Nothing like uh, Western pizza. Actually, uh, Gene Principe, who's on the show after 3.15, he said, Hey, Ballsy, when I roll through town, can you hook me up with a GC from Western Pizza? I said, Absolutely. Done deal. Oh, Done deal. GC. So, What's yeah, that mean? Gift certificate. Oh, God. Gosh. Gosh. God. Gosh. You don't want to say that. Yeah. Uh, John Greeno. From uh, Deer Valley. I've said, oh, God, on the course there a few times. Oh, God, where's my ball? Oh, God, I can't hit it that far. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Baldy. How are you? Good, man. Beautiful, beautiful weather. Uh, It's kind of like you've baked a chocolate cake, Johnny, and you can't eat it until Saturday. Yeah, it's Christmas morning uh, coming for a lot of golfers here. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, What's the course looking like here as we get ready to open things up on Saturday? Yeah, pretty excited. Uh, you know, sun's out, tarps are off. Uh, looking forward to uh, having some golfers uh, come back and join us again. How was this? Uh, how was this off season in terms of uh, you know the wintering of the course? Did it hold up pretty good? Yeah, I think courses in general held up pretty good. I think uh, you know having more snow is a good thing. Having that snowpack, it just kind of keeps the greens in uh, in better shape. They don't get weathered as much. And uh, I know we're. We were really excited when we pulled the tarps off and saw lots of green grass. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, John, um, you know, I, I've mentioned this before to, to other people. When you go back to the course, uh, you just, just don't walk right in and start hacking away. You might need to fine-tune your game yet. Do you guys have lessons early on to kick off the season there? Yeah, for sure. We've got a uh, We've got a golf academy out here so we uh we run quite a few uh gals and juniors through the golf academy and then uh, most of our guys they like to do kind of the one-on-one lessons so we've got three pga professionals at the club and we're happy to uh, help people get their games ready for the season awesome do you have a is the driving range open yet at all or is it everything open up on saturday yeah, we open to the public Saturday, so range, putting green, golf course, every kind, of, everything kind of at the same time. Okay, so Saturday to the public and members on Friday, right? Yeah, we're excited. We've got uh, you know nice little tradition of uh, having a sneak peek for our members and their guests on Fridays. All right, and will we? Uh, is there anything new to the course this year? Have you changed any of the uh, you know um, any of the holes or anything like that? Uh, no layouts the same. We had our eighth hole was under construction for. A couple months last year, so we got that open uh, in the fall. So we're excited uh, for golfers to see that, yeah, um, and, and get to experience that if they didn't get to see it last year. Well, generally, uh, Environment Canada sucks in the winter, but I got to be honest, they're pretty good in the, uh, you know, spring and summer with uh, predicting the weather. And it uh, looks like it's going to be cloudy, but really nice temperatures. I don't see in the Environment Canada one any precipitation, so that's good for golfers who want to get on the course. Yeah, I think, you know, three weeks ago we were still in winter, right? So having, you know, 15 degrees on the weekend, that sounds pretty good to a lot of people that were shoveling snow uh, two weeks ago. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, John, thanks for your time, man. So just a reminder, go out to Deer Valley. Got some great sight lines there. It's a beautiful course, uh, one of our favorites here on the Sports Cage. Open to the public on Saturday, members on Friday. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. That's uh, John Greenall from the Deer Valley Golf and Country Club out there, uh, you know, on the way to Lumsden and Craven. I went to a wedding there once. Very nice place. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, good Majestic. food there. Good food there. Yeah, they got a great clubhouse, so uh, make sure you go check it out. It's worth the drive. All right, when we come back, we'll endeavor to get a hold of our friend Gene 
Principe, who his mouth waters every time we mention the Western Pizza Hotline. So that was that. Pete, did you? Cr- how long did it take you to crush that pizza last uh, night? let me see. Um, one, two, about about ten minutes. Did you? Did you help? Did your wife help you eat it? Oh all? no, no. I asked her beforehand. Hey, I'm ordering a pizza here, so. Let me know right now if you want any of it, because if you don't, I'm getting green peppers on it. She don't she don't like those green peppers. Okay, yeah. So she said no. She was she was full already. So hey, what? All mine. And all I got your... ribs with them. Oh, oh wow. yeah. And I, I got uh, Coca Cola. You got a nice you got a nice wife. You really outkicked your coverage there, uh, man. I don't, I don't deserve her. No, you I don't. don't. You no, really I don't. don't. I don't. I don't. I, I was don't. like, she came to the dinner that Red Sox dinner. Was like, who is that smoke show? Yeah. And then she started to talk, and I'm like, what a very nice. And I say smoke show. Listen, she could probably be my daughter, so it's not like I'm hitting on her. But I'm like, who's this good looking <laughs> no, woman? I, I didn't and take what it. is she with doing with Zinger? I, doesn't belong with. I don't deserve anybody. Like, yeah, I, you, I, you're I, a good guy. Oh, She's thanks, lucky. Man. You're lucky. And we're lucky to have Gene Principe next on the Western Pizza Hotline here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage Corner 12th and Rose on a beautiful day here. Downtown Regina. Trying to get a hold of Gene Principe, who is the Sportsnet host on the Edmonton Oilers broadcast. The Oilers getting set to take on the Las Vegas Golden Knights in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers... Uh, Stayed in Los Angeles in the lead-up to this game. They didn't uh, go home. They decided to stay there in Los Angeles, work out at the Kings practice facility, and then uh, head to Las Vegas where they take on the Golden Knights tonight. Um, It's going to be an interesting game here. Oilers won 3 of 4 from the Vegas Golden Knights in their regular season season series. And... uh, uh, Mark Stone did not play in those games, so uh, he had a back injury and is back and playing pretty well. He heard from Bob Stoffer yesterday saying that he is uh, one of the best uh, two-way forwards in the NHL when healthy. So we will see how that one goes tonight. The uh, early game <clears throat> has the uh, New Jersey Devils at Carolina. So I had uh, Toronto beating Florida in that series, even though Florida opened with a 4-2 victory, they won't be a pushover. It's funny, the Florida Panthers were endeavoring to block out Leaf fans from getting tickets, uh, but they did not sell out. So, uh, did not sell out in time. Uh, uh, you know, by the time, uh, by the time uh, tickets went to the general public. So, Leaf fans can go to the game now. Um, of course, Oiler fans are mad because it was supposed to be a Wednesday-Friday setup for the series, but because Florida does not want to go head-to-head, the Panthers, that is, with the uh, Knicks and Heat game or an F1 race in the Miami area. F1? Yeah, they've decided that they're going to... Uh, they asked the NHL to move their game to Sunday, so therefore the Oiler game has to go to Saturday. Oilers are okay with that extra day of rest. What a good race, honey! <laughs> yeah, no kidding, yeah, in Florida. Why? Everybody just keeps going left. Actually, F1 wouldn't be that way. They'd be uh, all over the streets of oh, Miami. Yeah. F1's F1, the cool-looking cars, yeah, huh? Yeah, F1's like all through like the city streets. They're I'm not just keep expert. turning left. I'm a big expert yeah. when it comes to race cars. Yeah, exactly. I just watch for the crashes. Not going to lie to you. Hopefully nobody dies, but there's big fire and everything like that. That's yeah. what I like. That's yeah. what I like. Um, <laughs> so I have uh, I had Dallas beating Seattle in their series. Right now, Seattle's up one game to none. 
I had uh, Toronto over Florida. Florida's up one game to none. I've got Edmonton, as you know, beating the Vegas Golden Knights and New Jersey uh, knocking off Carolina. Who did you like? Who's your final four? I I don't remember what I picked to be honest with you, but I can tell you one thing. I want to see the Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Stanley. Don't Cup. you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And that's I'd weird to say. Every... You're a Habs fan. Yeah, I know. I know, but I want the Oilers to sweep the Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup final. What would be better for a Habs fan if that happened? The Oilers, the Oilers and the Leafs would be a great Stanley Cup, and I think if they met, the Oilers would win because I think Edmonton is... Like, if you look at it right now, Edmonton, Vegas finished ahead of Edmonton, but of all the teams left, are the Oilers not the best team left in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I was looking at the playoff field, if you will, and I was thinking to myself, man... There's the potential of having some really gross Stanley Cup matchups. Like, imagine New Jersey taking on the Seattle Kraken in the Stanley Cup. Like, who's, or New Jersey taking on? Who's yeah. going to watch that? Yeah. Carolina, Carolina taking on the Dallas oh, Dallas Stars. Oh, boring. Come on. Yeah. Who's going to watch that? Those would be the you worst. Can't, you can't tell me that Gary Bettman would rather have Carolina and Dallas over Edmonton, Toronto. Florida and Seattle in a big Stanley Cup Seattle. matchup. That's bad. Yeah. Crazy. Hey, I've got something I'd like to bring up here on the sports cage. By the way, thanks to uh, CAA Travel. Oh, what a night that was last yeah, night. Yeah, great Beautiful. job. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Thanks to CAA Travel, Saskatchewan, and Terry Kazis for uh, getting on board and sponsoring our first night of the draft. A lot of people loved it, eh? A lot of texts, a lot of personal messages. Zinger did a great job bringing it all together. Thanks to the professor, Don Hewitt, adding a lot of credibility to that. And we'll get into the draft as we go along in the show. But I've got a poll question for the folks out there. And you can hit me up, 936-6262. It's about that time where we're we're zeroing in on where we're going to go for our sports cage trip this coming uh, December. We usually go the first week in December right after the Grey Cup. Le Coupe de Grey. Okay, so there are two... Now we got to wait for the schedules to come in. Exactly, but Dallas, Miami. Those are the two front runners. Hmm. So my poll question is for you sports cage shareholders, would you rather go watch NBA, NHL, NFL in Dallas if the schedule lines up, or would you rather go watch NHL, NBA, NFL in Miami, Miami? Oh. The other one that I that popped into my mind, like I was going to go those two and other would be the third one, but I hate other. It's kind of broad. I I, I sent Terry a message. He said, "Hey, you're 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 part idea guy with this." Now this wouldn't be a warm trip. Dallas could be warm depending on, depending on. Um, yeah, a lot of factors. Yeah, a know? lot of factors. Miami probably will be warm. What about Seattle? Mm. You got the Seahawks. You got the. You don't have an NBA team, but you do have NHL. Kraken. Mm. Maybe maybe you could get a Western Hockey League game. Maybe you could get uh, maybe you could get two NHL games. I don't know if we could go across the border to Vancouver. I just feel like there's a lot of people that probably have already been to Seattle, though. This is just my critique because it's close. And it's going to be rainy. And it's going to be rainy. If I had to choose, I am going to go with Mimi. Miami. Okay, so let's go let's go with those 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 two. Dallas, then. Miami. Di- Dallas, Miami, 936-6262. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Cage or at the Real Ballsy. And uh let me know. Miami or Dallas for the Sports Cage trip. We you are got having be- you one. got the beaches. You we- got the beaches yeah, in South Beach. I know. We can watch the Let's heat. take our Talus to South Beach. We can watch the, the, the <laughs> this is the decision part two. Yeah, come on. This is bigger than 
Part one. Am I going to say soon the sports cage has decided to take our trip to to Miami? Take our talents to Miami. Or am I going to say we are going to Dallas? We could do Tampa, too. Tampa could be a, a potential one, too. Selfishly, I've already been to Dallas, so I'm 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 not I'm not in for Dallas. But yeah. maybe there's a lot of people out there that'd be like, "Ooh, Jerry's World, Cowboys Stadium, or AT and T Stadium." Mm-hmm. And uh, tech, or no, baseball season won't be going on. I was gonna say Texas yeah. Rangers, they got a brand new ballpark. Yeah, uh, Dallas Stars, Dallas Mavericks, you can watch NBA there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of great options. Yeah. Man. Hey, so I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you this question. Yeah, come on. Um, what did you think of the draft last night? I thought it was a pretty... First of all, congratula- kudos to the riders for trying something like we did with the draft night here. The first time ever. When you think about it, Zinger, in the, we're into, what, our 110th Grey Cup. So mm-hmm. well over 100 years of CFL football. And never has the CFL draft been on the radio from the first pick to the last pick. And we did it yesterday. Think about that. That's a history. Think of all the great broadcasters, all the great people involved with this league, and never once, never once has that happened. Yeah, it was, uh, as with anything that's new, there was kind of a fear of the unknown going into it. But once things got rolling, it was like, man, it was just like, hit, hit, hit. Guy gets drafted. We get him on the phone right away. We got him on the phone before Bob Dice gives him a call. We got him on the phone yeah. before. So that part of we it. We talked to Jackson Ford before Al Ford. Yeah, we did. Actually got a chance to talk if to his own If you don't believe us, you could find it. I posted it yeah. on demand wherever you find your podcast. So thanks to Wood Country and CAA uh, Travel Saskatchewan um, for doing that. You know what? Let's um let's go to break here. We'll get into the news early, and then maybe we can uh, squeeze in Gene before we get to Scott McCauley. Okay, this is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. All right, it's three twenty nine with your sports ticker. Two big games in the National Hockey League tonight: the New Jersey Devils taking on the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Edmonton Oilers in Sin City taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. That one a seven thirty p.m. puck drop. Lacrosse is one of Canada's official sports. Here's the latest from the cage on your Saskatchewan Rush. For the second game in a row, warming goaltender Lane Ruska started in net for the Saskatchewan Rush and earned the victory as his team defeated the Las Vegas Desert Dogs 13-12 on Saturday night in the Rush's final game of the regular season. But these victories came a little too late this year for the Rush. Despite winning their final two games of the NLL season, they finished with an 8-10 record, which was good enough for fifth place in the West Division. But unfortunately, not good enough to make the playoffs. But hey, good news for sports fans up in Saskatoon. The excitement won't be absent from the Sastel Center for very long. Four weeks from today, the Saskatchewan Rattlers will tip off the 2023 season at home versus the Vancouver Bandits. And this time slot next week, the first Rattler report of the season. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, let's uh, get to it right away here. 936-6262, our text line, and it's powered by our friends of the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast, Western Pizza. Gene Principe joining us all the way from Vegas. I know they don't have uh, Western Pizza there, Gino, but I did get you. Uh, I'm, I'm lining you up a gift certificate next time you're driving through town, okay? 
Love it. You know what? We've always uh, got the lead in and I'm just getting hungrier and hungrier with the reviews that I see and uh, the verbal backing that I get uh, from you. And, and you know me, if you've seen me on TV, I love cheese. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to trying it on our uh, summer journey through Regina into Winnipeg to see my wife's family. Awesome, man. Well, you just let me know and we'll get it hooked up. Uh I'll tell you what, man, you are the best in the business. I love the job you do. Uh, but let's talk about this game quickly and this series. Edmonton didn't go home. They stayed there in the L.A. Yeah. area. Tell us the mentality behind that. I saw your report, but bring that to my listeners here. You know what? Uh, so the Oilers won on Saturday night, could have flown home. Uh, the series at the time, they weren't sure if it was starting Tuesday or Wednesday in Vegas. Uh, Three-hour flight home three-hour flight back uh but i i you know along with the flying i think it's just listen when you're on the road and then you get home uh whether it's wives or kids or parents or cousins or friends you just i wouldn't say you don't have a moment of peace but you want to be involved you want to do things you want to talk to people but really your focus is hockey well staying on the road it's a wonderful place to just focus on what's ahead and so i i totally get the thinking of that there was maybe a thought that they would go home spend a day with family on sunday get back to work on monday but uh it's business time it's playoff time and so i i I mean i guess we'll find out starting tonight if it really worked but certainly from a standpoint of of being sort of insulated from uh the outside world uh, it was a perfect idea We'll see, you know, how it translates. Uh, Vegas has been waiting in in Vegas uh, since they finished their series with Winnipeg. So two, you know, pretty well-rested teams. The Oilers have only played basically a game in a week, and that's, you know, not not heard of very often in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Gene Principe from Sportsnet joining us here. So, like, Tampa's out. Boston's out, Colorado's out. You got to respect your opponent. Vegas did finish ahead of Edmonton in the standings. I've got the Oilers in five games, um, but but I will tell you this, man. If not now, when for this group? Like they've got the the the, the Stanley Cup window is wide, wide open for them now. Yeah, there and there's no screen. You know, uh, <laughs> it's just like. This is it. You've, you've had historic seasons, uh, certainly by one guy and basically by the other. And, you know, we always talk about a window being, let's say, three to five years. And I would say maybe Edmonton, let's say the window started last year, made it to the Western Conference final. So if this is year two, you know, I think you're looking at trying to win one or two cups before McDavid and Drysaddle have gone from their 20s into their very early 30s. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's, you know, I'm going to say there's nothing stopping them. There obviously is Vegas and then another opponent, they hope, and then another opponent after that. But it, it's all set up for them to be successful, but you have to go do it. And I think that's one of the things Jay Woodcroft said. We can discuss, we can talk, but you have to live these moments. And uh, I was really impressed, maybe a little surprised how happy they were after the round one series went over L.A. Because I'm thinking, well, they did they did this twice and got to the conference final last year. But I think there's a real understanding. This is a journey. They're 25% there. They've got four of 16 wins. Uh, and there's nothing guaranteed what the next round is going to be like. So let's enjoy this for a day, quarter of a day, a day and a half. And then it's it's on to business, which ties into why they stayed, you know, away from home. Um, it's it's time, but does that mean they're going to win the cup? I, I mean, I like I like their chances, 
But as you know, in the playoffs, I mean, they were just in a series where there were five one-goal games and three went to overtime. And the one overtime game they won, they were down 3 nothing in it to prevent going down in the series 3-1. So lots can happen. We've seen that with Seattle. We've seen that with Florida. The Oilers don't want to see it, even though I, I think even the Golden Knights have been asked, are they the underdogs, which is possible by a bit because I think a lot of people, Michael, are kind of thinking like you, whether it's five or six or seven, that the Oilers uh, should end up on top in this series. I think they are the underdogs. Like, you've watched enough hockey to know this, and I had Bob Stoffer on the show, too. So, they've got the better goaltending. Let's be honest. Skinner wasn't spectacular, but he's in the running for Rookie of the Year. They've got a career backup in net right now, albeit he's been playing well. And Jonathan Quick, who's at the end of his career, more more, uh, yesterday's than tomorrow's. They've got a cheat code for a power play. They're getting back their best penalty killer, maybe, and Yanmark. And, I mean, they got the two best players in the world. If they lose, it is an upset, in my opinion. Yeah, and I know that, uh, listen, it's a different, you know, L.A. was, you know, I'm not sure I've ever seen the Oilers have so much time in their own zone when they were pushing the puck out or setting up. L.A. would just drop back in their 1-3-1. But, you know, it worked to a certain extent. And Todd McClellan, good Saskatchewan boy, even, you know, said himself, listen, we got to figure out a way to beat this team because chances are we hope that we're going to be playing them and somehow finding a way to get past them not only last season and this season but probably for a few more years to come vegas is a little more wide open they may have a a a bigger better defense and they certainly have a bigger team least penalized team in the league so how often will the oilers get a chance on the power plate not as often maybe but they may not need uh five six chances to score two three goals maybe if they get Mm -hmm. two three chances they get one or two so i'm with you on this but we've all watched sports um and seen sort of and i wouldn't call it a miracle if vegas beats edmonton far from it uh yes maybe a bit of a surprise but Listen, Edmonton went 14-0-1 in their last 15 games, and they still couldn't catch Vegas. So Vegas just kind of continued to do enough to finish in first place. Laurent Bressois, former Oiler, former Jet, had a wonderful opening round. Is that going to continue? I would say Winnipeg, uh, God bless them. They don't have the firepower that, that Edmonton has, and they, for a bit, also missed a guy like Mark Shifley, a 40-goal scorer. So we got to wait and see. I think everyone's kind of curious how this is going to play out. I think the L.A. series from an Edmonton standpoint, they sort of knew how it was going to go because they knew how it went last year, uh, but they've never met. And uh, you got one and two in the 2015 draft, which is neat and interesting, but really no comparison to this point in their careers. But how much would Jack Eichel uh, have liked to have an ace up his sleeve by trying to be a big part of the Oilers getting knocked off and stopping Connor McDavid and Edmonton from what so many of us think is very likely or at least very possible, and that's winning a cup. Gene, it's always fun, man. We'll catch up with you a little later in the playoffs. Have a good uh, broadcast tonight, okay? Thanks, buddy. Take care. Take care. That's Gene Principe from Sportsnet. And before we go to break, let's uh, keep the hotline rolling here with our friend, the coach of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley. You guys are on the field this weekend. You betcha. We start uh, Friday. We're on the field about 7.30 at night, and then two practices on Saturday, and we'll end with the scrimmage on Sunday. And right now I'm just up in northern Saskatchewan driving to Tisdale to uh, check out a couple kids there, and uh, excited to get going. What's uh, what's more enjoyable, recruiting or coaching? Well, coaching, being with the boys and doing the X's O's and stuff, but, you know, with my job, I am involved in sales and stuff, so I, don't, I also like the recruiting part as well, meeting different people across uh, across the province. But definitely, coaching is where you want to be at. Mm-hmm. 
so how do you, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent in Tisdale. My kid uh, is looking to play. Uh, how would you sell your program right now? I think some things with us, like, I'm not going there to sell my program. I'm going there to find out what, what they want to do. The guy wants to go to university, then we can talk about, you know, how players on our team are, are also going to school and how there's scholarships involved. If they want to get involved in, say, the trades, well, then you want to find out what route that is and see if there's a natural fit, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people go in there and they, I call it throwing up on people because they're just going to sell their program and <laughs> talk about, you know, their coaches and all things like that. I'm going to take more of a sales approach to try to hear what they want and what they want to gain out of playing uh, the game of football and then see if there's a proper fit for the Thunder and find that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Was there a position that you're uh, really uh, focusing in on? I know you want to get as many good players in a bunch of different areas as you can, but are there a couple of positions you've earmarked this year? Well, I think, you know, like we're, past, we're past recruiting guys for this upcoming season, so now it's about kind of like down the road, right? Yeah. Uh, so for us, like in 2024, you know, we're going to be looking for, you know, maybe some more DBs. Um, you know, that would be, be a particular position of need. Uh, linebacker, like, we're pretty full. But you never know because we'll have to see what happens during the season with injuries and maybe guys moving on to different leagues or deciding to move on with their careers. But right now it's just trying to make contact with the top guys, see what they are wanting to get out of their next steps in their, their life and going from there. So being the coach on the field this weekend, what, what's, what's the goal this weekend? What are you looking forward to? So a few things, like, you know, like we lost, some guys that are key leaders so like one of it is trying to make sure that our culture the team is where we want to be to make sure that the leaders are meant to be leaders uh, are stepping up and doing it the right way and also make sure that we're bringing in the young guys in and intertwining them into like the way that we do things and making sure that they understand uh again like like how we sort of act and walk and talk so that's one of the things that i want to get from our leadership group and then the other thing too is like you know we are looking for a new quarterback uh, of course, Carter Strzok's moved on with graduating. Uh, so there's going to be a great battle there between uh, Nick Hasselfield and Carter Moberg and, and even like uh, even a guy named Ethan Hug. Like, they're going to be in there chucking the rock, and we're going to see who's able to step up and not only deliver the ball to where it's going to go, but also control like uh, the huddle. And then, you know, there's some other position groups that we're going to be looking at as well. Uh, defensive line, there's been some turnover there. So we're going to see how those young guys have um, done this offseason in regards to uh, the weightlifting and the strength and things like that. And then even looking at some of the guys that, that maybe were injured and see how good they, um, how they've been able to bounce back and where they are with the rehab process. Uh, Scott McCauley, uh, last question for you. It was a long, I bet you it was a long off season. Couldn't wait to get back on the field after uh, a great campaign that came up just short on home turf. Yeah. Well, first, you know, when the season ended there, it was good to kind of get away for a while and Spent some time with family and friends, and you know we've been we've been working hard already uh, with our indoor camps, and then also just with working out level ten with Dan Farthing and the boys uh, four times a week. So it's been pretty active, but I just can't wait to get on the field and see what these guys have. Be with the boys, uh, allow them to go out there and make some contact and burn out some energy, and uh, get ready for the upcoming season. So uh, things get started when Friday, you said. We're going to be, uh, Friday, we're going to be at Mosaic Stadium at 7.30. Saturday, we're going to be at Mosaic Stadium sporadically throughout the day. Uh, best practice to come to is going to be at 4. And then on Sunday, uh, we have walkthrough at Lyle Field, and we'll do the scrimmage uh, Sunday at 2 o'clock. 
and uh, that'll be a great thing to come out to and check check out the action. Can't wait to see it, man. Thanks a lot for your time, Scott. Appreciate it. Safe travels, okay, and happy recruiting. All right, thanks a lot, dude. Take care. That is a Scott McCauley, coach of the Regina Thunder. When we come back, we'll talk Regina right and hear from Jackson Ford last night. The 11th pick in the draft, second overall selection for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. His grandpa, what was his name again? Uh, uh, Stu? I think it was Stuart. Yeah. No. Yeah. Alford. Oh, Alford. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Hey, you can weigh in. 936-6262, our number to text. That's also our number to call locally if you want to talk some sports. Don't be scared. Let's talk some sports. What did you think of the Riders draft? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Uh, 1-866-767-0620 is the toll-free out-of-town number. And the text line, 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. We have a poll up. Daryl wants to go to Dallas. Okay, so Daryl is the first vote. So we're asking you on our sports cage trip coming up December, early part of December. We don't know the exact dates because we don't have the all the uh, pro schedules up. But once we do, it's look like we're uh, honing in on Dallas, Miami. We want to go somewhere where the weather will be half decent. And we want to go somewhere where we can get an NHL game, an NBA game if possible, and an NFL game. Last year, we went to Los Angeles. We got uh, two Anaheim Duck games because the Kings weren't there. We didn't get a Clipper or Laker game because, remarkably, neither team was there. Mm-hmm. And we got two uh, NFL games, Rams and the Raiders uh, and the Chargers and the Dolphins. So Disney on Ice was at the oh, okay. Crypto. Yeah, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Goofy on skates. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Good, Welcome to the crypto. Could somebody please tie my skates? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I'd pay to see that. Actually. You know who's not Goofy? Chris Hattisbeck. He's the coach of yeah, the Regina Ride. He's a good guy. Hi, Chris. That's a great segue, Bossy. How's it going? Yeah, guys? you know me. I'm a radio professional. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, look at this weather for the start of the season. Outstanding. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot nicer than it was two weeks ago when we lost our preseason game because of it. So uh, no complaints here, that's for sure. So you you had a train a training camp in preseason. You didn't play because of the weather. Um, did the weather uh, affect you getting ready for the season in terms of the camp? Other than that preseason game, no. We were supposed to go to Moose when we play, which we didn't get to do. But uh, otherwise, we practiced in the snow, practiced in the elements. Um, we only lost a couple practices outdoors. We just moved indoors. So. Hasn't affected us too much, and uh, and we're ready to go for Sunday. Yeah, and who do you got on Sunday on the dance card, and where's the game at? Yeah, we go up to Saskatoon to play the Val. Um, our rival, of course, uh, 1 p.m. SMS field. Yeah, so uh, they're a pretty good squad. What what do they look like this year again? Yeah, they'll be strong. I mean, I know that they went to Calgary in the preseason game and, and won, by, I think, 50-2 to two or something like that. Oh. So we know that they're going to be strong still, um, good numbers, and... Uh, no matter what team they have, it's always a battle, so we're looking forward to it. More importantly, most importantly, we're a Regina station. We care about the riot. What are we looking at for our football team this year? Yeah, we're we're excited. We have good numbers, almost 50 players this year, which is a significant uh, difference from the last couple of seasons. So getting some vets back has made a huge difference, and, uh, and we're happy. We're at, and we're excited to see where we stand after we play. You know the past champs the last couple of years on Sunday. So uh, you got some vets back. Why else? Why else are the numbers up? A lot of it has to do with the uh, the Prairie Girls Junior Football League here in South Sask. 
Um, they've made a tremendous effort of growing the game for, for females in football, and we've seen the, the benefits of that on our team. Uh, last year we had almost half our team was, was athletes that have played in that league, whether they're now four- or five-year vets or coming into our team as rookies. So it's made a huge difference for us. Where's the strength of the team this year? Um, you know what? Right now, obviously, early in the season, we're excited to see how our defense does. They look good in practices. Um, they've done a good job tackling aggressive. Uh, and some of our vets that we've added on that end have made a difference already that we've seen. And then, obviously, getting Amy Kowalski back at quarterback. We're excited to see what she can do. Um, first time back since 2019. So um, we're excited. We've got a, a big O-line. Um, most numbers we ever had at that position. So so that's exciting, too. So uh, Chris Hattisbeck joining us here. He's the head coach of the Regina Ride football team. Open their, opening their season on Sunday in Saskatoon against the Valkyries. Now, um, you mentioned Saskatoon beats Calgary 50-2. to uh, How do... Like, it it seems very uncompetitive in the other, in the other, you know, with the other teams. How do we boost the competitiveness of female football elsewhere? In your opinion? Yeah, you know, Manitoba's done a great job of this, especially the Manitoba Fearless. They were uh, very competitive last year, beat us in the playoffs, and and that's the first time that that's happened. So you know, it sucks that it happened, but it's good <laughs> to see that the the competitive coming you know in, in alberta i know that uh team alberta won the u18 uh six aside tournament for the first time here in regina this summer or this past summer so it's starting to come along um i think they're doing some good things there across the few provinces um and uh it's, it seems like they're finally putting the effort into it from the provincial side of things that's going to make a big difference for their their local teams as well well chris best of luck we'll uh, continue to check in with you throughout the season maybe highlight some of your players too uh safe travels up there and good luck sounds good thanks guys take care that's chris Hattisbeck uh, from the regina ride all right so last night here on 620 ckrm we uh, made history we were the first regina radio station to uh well sorry first well we were the first regina radio station yeah, see we like the, it is we were the first ones ever man well we're the first ones ever and that's the thing you know um you, you got to start somewhere and you and i are uh we like to think we're professionals and we identified a few things we can tighten up for next year but we're in the um we're in the cement mixing stage of this thing we're not talking about building a house yet you got to mix the cement then lay the foundation we're drawing the blueprint that's right so the first year I just, like that one. let's just yeah, I do too so let's get it on the air and go from yeah, last year we did the first two rounds and they were like gee we should do the whole thing so we did we did from one to 72 mixed in a lot of interviews we got every kid that was drafted on the airwaves. Every kid. Mm-hmm. From the Rams and Huskies. From the Rams and Huskies. That's I should point that out. That's right. We talked to every kid that was drafted, uh, which nobody else did on the We talked the to them before their teams, teams and family members them. talked to them. We talked to the this next guy we're going to hear before Al talked to him. Al Ford didn't even talk to his grandson before we did. Now, the big question here is... And you'll hear me ask it, and, and we can... Well, let's roll this first, and then we'll come off the back end. This was live on 620CKRM, just mere moments after it happened when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders took Campbell Collegiate grad, Regina Rams safety slash linebacker, a hybrid special teams kind of guy, Jackson Ford with their 11th, with the 11th overall picks, their first pick in the second round. Jackson Ford of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. How does that sound, Ford? That sounds great. I love how it sounds. Did you have Did you have an inkling that the Rough Riders were interested in you, Jackson? Uh, no. I mean, 
Oh, man, I'm just I'm so thrilled right now. I can't even think. <laughs> well, that's, that's fine, man. That's totally understandable. Uh, who are you sharing this night with, Jackson? Uh, just the family, you know. Just, yeah, family, woman. Oh, yeah. man, it's unbelievable. Um, how's, your, how's your grandfather reacting to this? Oh, I haven't talked to him yet. He's actually just at home, so I was, I was going to call him next. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad we got the phone call first. Um, <laughs> what is it? What does it mean to you, not only to be a Regina kid with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but that Ford name with the Rough Riders? Oh man, it means everything. You know, I mean, Grandpa playing here, being the GM, it's just it's truly a dream come true for me. Yeah. Um, is there any pressure having Ford as a last name wearing green and white? There's got to be a little bit of pressure, isn't there? Of course, there's pressure, but. Uh, as soon as I strap on that helmet, it all goes away, and I just focus on the game. So for people that haven't watched you play, Jackson Ford, tell them how you play. I'm a very physical, versatile, smart player. That's all I'll say. And how much do you think that combine really helped your uh, stock? I know people were talking like that, but did you have a feeling like it really helped you after uh, after uh, the Edmonton situation there? Yeah, you know, I think I performed pretty well. I mean, I didn't do as good as, um, you know, the best players, obviously, but I think it... Uh, definitely helped me uh you know get drafted in the, the second round so are you here's the big question are you gonna get number 21 that was your grandfather's number nelson lacombo has it are you gonna i know it's the cfl it's not like you can give him ten thousand dollars but are you gonna maybe give him like a gift certificate or something to get that number oh man i, I, don't, I don't care what number i have i'm just thankful for the opportunity that they've uh, they've given me Jackson Ford, uh, and one last question for you, man. Um, you, you, you grew up a lot of your life, uh, in the very formative years without your dad who passed away suddenly, the tragic accident. I know you talked about it. Uh, we actually played an interview I did with you earlier about how much your grandfather helped you. But just a shout-out to your mom, and also, uh, you know, you're probably thinking of your dad today. Absolutely, yes, sir. You know, this is definitely for him and my family, absolutely. Jackson Go call your grandpa. Enjoy the night, man. Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Take care, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you, too. So that's uh, Jackson Ford after uh, the draft yesterday being picked in the second round, 11th overall by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So now we'll wonder, will he get 21 from Nelson Lacombo, his grandfather's old number? Mm. Maybe they can work out some sort of pizza, a Western pizza deal or something. Slip them 10 grand, you know, but uh, maybe a hot slice. So a good night. Oh, man. Good night for uh, for uh, Saskatchewan kids. Anthony Bennett and Tanner Schmeckel, who we'll hear from in a bit, go to the Blue Bombers. Josh White, linebacker. Red Blacks. Goes to the Red Blacks. You heard Jackson Ford going to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Charlie Ringland, who fell down the draft board because BC. of his knee injury, went to the BC Lions. Uh, the sixth overall pick, Dayton Black. Hmm. who only started one year with the Huskies, but he is the sixth overall pick going to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Of course, Daniel Perry, receiver, went to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And Caleb Morin... I'm glad he got in there in the eighth round. That was good. Yeah, he... he where did he go again? I think it was Hamil- uh, uh, Hamilton. I think it was Hamilton. That was right, Hamilton. Yep. Yeah, he slid in uh, at the end there, so that was good. Caleb Morin. So there are the Saskatchewan kids that uh, were picked in the Canadian... College draft in the CFL. Coming up, we're going to uh, 
do a little post-mortem on the draft with Riders GM Jeremy O'Day. And live from Dallas before 4.30, Jordan Eberly will join us. His Seattle crack and knock off the Dallas Stars. Ebbs had a goal and a helper in that game. This is the Sports Cage on this beautiful Wednesday in downtown Regina on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. We are back for our second hour. They haven't got rid of us. That's good. We're at the corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina on a sunny Wednesday. So great I went for two walks. I was feeling great. But it's not the ballsy of the 35, 40-year-old. Like, I'm in pretty good shape, but I don't go shirtless anymore unless I'm in my backyard. No no more box, no, no more boxing matches? No more boxing matches. No, no. I, you got to know at some point. You got to know. Did you uh, struggle making it through the last one? I did, yeah. Yeah? I was, it was, uh, hey, listen. Did you feel sick afterwards? Uh, just, well, I had, uh, this was already two Septembers ago, right? It wasn't this last September. Yeah. It was a September before. I, I had... Uh, I had, uh, like in the first round, I was doing good. In the second round, Mark Johnson from Play 92 clocked me, and I was like a, like a little bit loopy, like my uh-huh. legs. And then the third, I was out of gas. And people thought he was trash-talking me, but he was actually encouraging me to, come on, Ballsy, you can make it to the end. But let's be honest. I was 48 then, two years ago, and he was 31. Yeah. Like 17 years. Crazy. At some point, you gotta, you gotta know when you can't do, you think, do things. Do you think Mark Johnston would ever uh, box Zinger for charity? Would you box him? Yeah, I would. Would you? Yeah, I would. I'd love to see that. I would. I'll be in your corner. I I'll would. be like Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. You have to. You have to give me. You have to give me a at year. Least a year. You know. Well, give me a year camp. Well, my concern is, and this is not being disrespectful. No, I know what you're going to say. MS. Like, how is that I know, going in the I ring? Don't, I don't think it's supposed to happen. I don't think your brain is supposed to be beat down like that, but if it's going to make some money for a good <laughs> cause, I'm going to put my health on the line. Well, no, you I'm not doing right. that. I need you. Yep. You're valuable. I'll hey, tell you I'm what. a good guy. I'm this, here to make money everybody, for the people. Everybody on the radio, everybody on the radio says, I got the best producer in the business. I have the best producer in the business. So I am making an executive decision and no, you're not allowed. I'll put Cody Glyden in the it. ring first before I'll put you in the I'm ring. I'm trying to be nice. I know you're trying to be nice. I put Colin Lovequist in the ring, but he's already got two bro feet, so he can't go in there. Yeah. So it's and Gloria ain't fighting. So it's it's you no, in I, the corner of Cody Glyden. You're not going in the ring. No, I would I would be absent absolutely phenomenal in the ring. Yeah, man, float like a butterfly, oh, sting like a man. bee. I've always loved boxing. My first boxing match I ever watched was when. Uh, Holyfield got his ear bitten off, and ever since then, I wanted to be in the ring and there, do something like yeah. that. So I would bite Mark Johnson's ear off. That night, Holyfield wasn't the uh, the real deal. He was the full meal deal because ah. he got his ear bit off by Mike Tyson. Okay, so yesterday we had outstanding coverage of the draft from start to finish, and uh, we were on location there, but also in the basement as uh, Blaine Weiland from our sports department got the audio from Jeremy O'Day. Here's a post-mortem from the Riders' GM. It's it's hard to envision eight rounds of of picks or <laughs> guessing where where everyone falls. So it's um you know like I said, there's a lot of good players out there. There's there's a lot of guys that we would have selected, and just a matter of uh, when we would have selected them. But uh, overall, feel feel good about the draft. We certainly were happy about it. But as I've always said, uh, I think probably all nine teams are happy with their draft because they they picked the guys that were uh, that they wanted, right? So. 
Um, there's always uh, good discussions in the in the draft room, and and uh, when you're you're torn between two, two guys, those those conversations are 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 fun with uh, with the whole group in there. But I, I thought that uh, as a group, really worked together and made decisions that we we thought were right. Was there a player at some point that you were like, we have to take him now? We're surprised you got him at all, or no big surprises for you? Um, yeah, there's. I you mean, know, when you get in the late rounds, that's where it gets. Um, gets a little bit. Uh, th- there's really your variances from team to team is really a little bit more great. Um, first three or four rounds are they're pretty standard. There's not a ton of guys. Maybe a couple surprises or two. But when you get in the late rounds, you know some some teams could have a guy down at eight eighth round, and some have them up to the the fourth or fifth round. So um, yeah, when we get down uh, lower in the draft, there's some guys that we we mocked um, higher and and. Uh, you know, there's guys that are on the table in the room for him. Um, you know, Nick Thomas is uh, is that type of player. We we had a a little bit of a spread on him because uh, he's he's had some injuries, but his tape was was just so good of uh, the football players that we like. And um, so he was a he was a guy that we were uh, we were happy to, we're we're happy to get them all, obviously. But um, some guys you think are are good value, and and uh, but we're all we're excited about every one of them. You took a couple guys who went in the fourth round of the NFL draft. Why decide to take them, and why do you view that as maybe a chance to do you envision a chance you might be able to get to see them? You know, that's uh, it, you know, if if you if you had to bet on it, it's it's tough to tough to say if you're ever, you're ever going to see them, right? So um, some people would argue and say you're you're wasting your pick because those guys are really good football players, and some of them don't ever uh, come to Canada, but. You know, if you you look at us over the last ten years, how many guys from the NFL draft that we've actually gotten, um, even as as high as the first round in the draft, second round of the draft, third round of the NFL draft, um, those are those guys are Americans that are signing for minimum contracts. I think for us, one of the things that's changed is uh, the rule in the CFL is, um, you know, you're you're allowed to to play the, pay those those draft picks more than you were in the past. Um, uh, in the past, when you draft a, an NFL draft pick, uh, when they if they ever came back, and that's an if, um, you had to give them a, a pretty standard minimum contract. Um, but now you have the ability, depending on the amount of years that they play down there, um, you have the ability to give them a different contract. So that that helped the decision a little bit. You know, you don't you you sit there and after you make those picks, you kind of wonder, what, you know, could we have got the guy later down or. Um, but at that at point, it's just risk reward, and you know if it ever happens, it's a home run. And you know we've taken people in the fourth that got drafted in the fourth round before that we've never seen, and we probably never will. But um, at that point, we thought the risk was was worth it. Just your thoughts about using two picks for those NFL draft picks? Usually, teams may, might take one gamble, but you took two. Just your thoughts about taking two gambles with those picks? Yeah, again, the the second one was an eighth round eighth round pick, and you know at that point, you're really looking at the players that you'll pick in the eighth round um, that potentially could fall out of the draft um, that you can actually claim. So after the draft, um, you can actually claim uh, two players and, and they can be considered non-counters in training camp. So two of the players or three of the players that we would have picked at that eighth pick are still available. So, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Can you touch on your connection with, with Al? Because he was the GM in 99 when you came here. Um, can you kind of go back and explain that process and that connection with him? 
Yeah, he, he signed me to Saskatchewan. He, he brought me to Saskatchewan. He was the general manager at the time. And yeah, when I was a free agent, I got a call from Al and um, I was a free agent and he, uh, yeah, convinced me to come to Saskatchewan, right? So, and, and when he did, um, Saskatchewan didn't have a very good year the, befo- the year before. And uh, I was coming to Saskatchewan uh, for an opportunity to start and become a starter and establish myself uh, in my career. And uh, when I got here, I realized that the offensive line that was here was better than the one I left. Um, so it was a little bit tougher than I thought, um, but he was the general manager that was here. And I think uh, that year he said um, that they wanted me to uh, work center and there was a potential for me to become a center. And uh, I think it took a year, but uh, I got moved to center and that's where I started for the rest of my career. So I owe a lot to him for, for bringing me to Sask. <laughs> that was just a little while ago. It was just a couple, a couple years ago. Um, to the draft with the, the mindset to, to build through the trenches. You made a lot of picks on the D-line and O-line in this draft, or was it just kind of, uh, you know, best player falling to you with those picks? Um, well, we certainly understand the importance of the trenches, and, and I think every team is pretty much is on, is on, understands the importance of it. But, um, you know, we, we like physical football players, and we felt like um, we added some of those guys in the draft, or most of those guys fit that, fit that mold. So, um, but we're... You know, we look at our draft board quite a bit, and we kind of stay with that. And um, you know, just a really good group effort. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys in the room that deserve a lot of the credit. You know, from from our analytics and uh, video guys that spend so many so much time preparing. Um, you know, the the players and the player pool that we we should be looking at, and um, and then uh, you know, Kyle Carson, our assistant GM, is really heads up our, our Canadian draft and just does a great job with, um, you know, making sure everyone's looking at the right guys, making sure all the positional coaches have the right players to look at. Um, and, uh, you know, even Jordan Greenlee, um, who's our football operations, uh, our director of football operation, he spent a lot of time calling coaches um, and getting their mindset of what they think of the players so we have a good indication of the coaches that coached them. Um, so it's really a group effort, and then of course, of course, all the coaches. You know, uh, Coach Coach Dickey uh, watching so many guys in, in the draft, and you know, I'm I'm not sure all head coaches do that, and he watches them, watches them all. Kent Majuri is a big part of it, so a lot of guys that uh, deserve a lot of credit for the the work that goes into it. Do you think any of your later round picks can have a similar impact that Jaden Dalkey had for your team last year? Oh boy, yeah, you, those are those are always really good ones, right? So we've had some success with Jaden Dalkey. Um, you know, uh, Charbel's been a player for us for a couple of years that we took, I think, in the fifth round. Um, you know, we we did use a couple of future futures later, so um, I think they would be impact players. But um, you know, Evan Florin was a guy that we had a little bit higher up than when we got him. But I, I think most teams probably have that same as they get get later. So um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how Nick Thomas does. He's uh, he's really fun to watch on tape. You ever, um, you know, when we when we watch tape, there's some guys that just kind of come off uh, come off the film of, of boy, this guy plays with a lot of energy and flies around, and and he's he's a really good football player. So we're we're excited. Uh, we're excited about them all. I could talk about them all, but um, you know, we'll see if there's any. I don't know if there's any Key and Schaefer Bakers. There's those are tough to find when you when you get uh, fortunate enough to get those guys late.
I'm looking forward to that Nick Thomas. He can fly around, man. Brian Doby had lots of great things to say about him. We'll try to get him on the show tomorrow, actually. We're going to have the first pick the Riders made. Third overall, Lake Corte Moore, just after 5 o'clock. Coming up, though, friend of the show, Jordan Eberle, joins us next. Seattle cracking forward, a goal and a helper last night. He's in Dallas, live from the Lone Star State. Next on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Hands it off. Snap towards it. By Bjorkstrand, he's got the rebound. Bouncing puck in front. Can't get it on goal. Yanni Gord spins. Fire scores. Yanni Gord wins it in overtime. And the Kraken reach for the Stars and grab them in game one of the series with a 5-4 win. Yanni Gord cleans up the loose puck to send the Kraken past the Stars in overtime of Game 1. 5-4 to four the final score. So the Kraken 1-0 series lead over those Dallas Stars. Jordan Eberle had a nice game last night as well for the Seattle Kraken. A goal and an assist. Yanni Gord, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. <laughs> you have fun different ways to score as you get older. Uh, <laughs> you know, won a face off and just went to the net. And, uh, lucky enough to go off my stick. So uh, it was a wild game. Obviously, we we gave up the first one. We we didn't do that all first series. We we scored first in every game, and then and then we came back and fought our way. They get one, and then we we got a couple more, and then obviously fought all the way to the end and, and found a way to do it in overtime. Not gonna lie to you, a little higher scoring than I expected it to be at five four between these two teams. Yeah, I mean playoffs is always it's it can be. I've been in games where it's been obviously really tight, and games where it's been a little looser. So. Um, yeah, I don't know whether it's a deal of teams just feeling each other out or, or what it was, but, um, you know, obviously we, we have a lot of firepower. We're, we're, we're known to score a lot, especially 5-5, five and five, and I know they do too. So, um, you know, you, you always got to find different ways to win, whether it's 2-1 like in Game 7 or, um, or, or or be able to put the puck in a little bit in the net a few, uh, a little more than we, we hopefully need to. But, um yeah, we we definitely have a team that we can we can do it both ways, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah, especially the further you go in the playoffs, because really that's the key, right? Uh, being able to adapt not only from uh, game to game or series to series, even period to period in some cases. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we're 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 capable of, of winning those two one games. I think Ruby's been unbelievable so far to start this playoffs, and then and then I think throughout the season our identity was we we were known to score. And I think the biggest thing for our team, our strength has been all year. I've said it all year long. It's, it's been our depth. We, we have four lines who can score and, and match up. So it's been a huge part for us. Yeah. How about Grubauer? That's the Philip Grubauer. I think we all expected in the hockey world, at least from the outside right through the season. And he sure uh, played with a bit of a chip on his shoulder against his old team there. Yeah, he's been great. Um, I think you talk to any team who's ever won, you know, they, probably attested to their great goaltending and, and uh, you know, we have that right now. So 
keep running with it. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, Eberly, I, I said to you the other day, just jokingly in a text, and I didn't mean it in a joking way because you never, uh, you never joke about those situations. But I don't think if they had a prop bet, I don't think you would ever find a prop bet where Kale McCarr and Jordan Eberly would be the two villains in one series. Like crazy, hey. And, and I know uh, you, uh, you, you played with Cogs and against Cogs. Obviously, uh, not a situation you want to be involved in. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was tough. Obviously, a tough play, and um, you know, I, I uh, you know, originally when it happened, um, and I, and I saw him come out for the third, I was I was happy to see him out there. Like I said, I talked about the media before. He never never want to hurt a guy, especially I mean, a uh, guy I play with, guy I respect. It's 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 always hard. So I was happy to see him come out, and then the news came out the next day that he. had you know, suffered a, a fracture in the C5, and, and, and I obviously felt pretty bad. I, you know, I, I got a hold of some of the doctors and found out, uh, you know, just the extent of it. I don't think it was as bad as hopefully, uh, hopefully the media portrayed it. But at the same time, I mean, like I said, you, you just never want to, you never want to hurt a guy, but a guy in the situations, and um, obviously it was a, it was a tough play. Uh, uh, last question for it's a busy day and I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule as an older guy and near the end of your career but not at the end how much more do you appreciate like a game seven like the other day or getting to round two or the further you get I mean you've got you've got even further than this just on the precipice of a Stanley Cup how much do you appreciate this I mean it's it's why why I'm still playing I mean you know you you get to a certain stage in your career and Obviously, you don't have a cup. It's uh, it's what you dream of winning as a kid, and and you see the the chances dwindling. So, I mean, you get to these points, and it just make them that much more significant. So, um, you know, I, I've enjoyed this run we've been on. Obviously, we're just getting started, and um, it, it's been a lot of fun. These games are are why you play. They're they're Seattle fans have really uh, taken a. Uh, a liking to playoff games and the, the energy they're bringing in the building. It's, it's been, it's been awesome. So let's hope it continues. Yeah. Between the Kraken and the Thunderbirds, they're blessed there in uh, Seattle. All of a sudden, uh, a mega hockey town. Uh, lastly, I think you raised a good point and, and I'll squeeze one more in here. You know, uh, people ask, well, man, th- this is the time of year when the guys don't make their most money. In some cases, don't make any money except for playoff bonuses. Uh, and they're playing maybe their best and hardest hockey of the year. But I think that's what it is, right, Ebs? When you're on the streets of Regina or Calgary growing up, you're not thinking about making money. You're thinking about being, I don't know, uh, Wayne Gretzky lifting the Stanley Cup. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's uh, for guys like me, obviously, we're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. We just want to win cups. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that's it. That's when you're retired. You want to have that on your resume that you were Stanley Cup winner. So this is uh, this is what you play for. Yeah, you're too modest. I think you're already in the Hockey Hall of Fame for one of the greatest goals in uh, junior history. I just I just auctioned off a jersey to Red Sox dinner uh, for uh, like twenty five hundred bucks a Jordan Eberle uh, World Junior jersey. So uh, don't be so humble. Hey, uh, best of luck, man! Congratulations on uh, uh, a good first game and uh, continued success. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Jordan Eberle joining us, taking time out of his schedule. Yeah, sorry about the start of the interview there. My mic was acting up, but uh, yeah, Jordan Eberle live from Dallas, Texas. They're up one game to none. Uh, when we come back after the uh, 4.30 News and CFL report, we'll hear from Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, getting set for another game in Boston tonight. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. The CFL draft last night was a huge success, not only because the Sports Cage and 620 CKRM made some history broadcasting the draft in its entirety, for the first time in radio history, but also because a lot of great local talent went off the board and maybe highlighting the list as the grandson of Al Ford, Saskatchewan Rough Rider great Jackson Ford going in the second round to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And we had Jackson Ford live on the airwaves right after he was picked. Oh, man, I'm just I'm so thrilled right now. I can't even think. That's fine, man. It's totally understandable. Uh, who are you sharing this night with Jackson? Uh, just the family, you know. Just, yeah, family, woman. Oh yeah. man, it's unbelievable. How's your How's your grandfather reacting to this? Oh, I haven't talked to him yet. He's actually just at home, so I was, I was going to call him next. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad we got the phone call first. Um, <laughs> what is it? What does it mean to you? Not only to be a Regina kid with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but that Ford name with the Rough Riders. Oh man, it means everything. You know, I mean, Grandpa playing here, being the GM, it's just it's truly a dream come true for me. Is there any pressure having Ford as a last name, wearing green and white? There's got to be a little bit of pressure, isn't there? Of course, there's pressure, but uh, as soon as I strap on that helmet. It all goes away, and I just focus on the game. So for people that haven't watched you play, Jackson Ford, tell them how you play. I'm a very physical, versatile, smart player. That's all I'll say. Yeah, round two, pick 11, Jackson Ford of the University of Regina Rams going to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In the first round, third overall, the Riders took defensive linemen from the UBC Thunderbirds, Lake Corte Moore, a six foot three, 264-pounder. Excited to see these guys strap on the helmet for training camp in just a couple weeks. CFL report for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Quapel. Kevin'sMarine.com. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, around the horn with the great radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. Uh, ben, what is it about Fenway Park and the Blue Jays? Just another normal slash wacky game. <laughs> you know, a year ago we were talking about the overwhelming success of Fenway Park and all the offensive power numbers that are on display from Vladdy and Bo and everybody else in this you know dominant series that the Blue Jays had, not only at Fenway Park, but winning 16 out of the 19 games over the Red Sox. Uh, I did not have a lot of expectations about the Boston Red Sox, but that lineup, when you take away a couple of guys like Mitch Moreland and J.D. Martinez, all of a sudden it becomes a much scrappier lineup, doesn't it? And yeah. Just watching these guys the last couple of nights, the Boston Red Sox certainly look like lunch pail Red Sox and you know, not big highfalutin mega contract free agent splashes that kind of Boston got into over the over the last decade. So I think that's where you have to start. When you talk about the last couple of games and what has led to the success uh, in very different ways, you know, Alex Verdugo, who is playing out of his mind mm-hmm. right now, and it looks like a completely different player, certainly from his L.A. days since the first couple of years with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the way that he has started, Jaron Duran, another left-handed batter that was in the opening games lineup, 
you know, they stacked a bunch of right-handed hitters last night against Yusei Kikuchi, but there was no let-up. I mean, Colton Wong, out of nowhere, hits a pair of home runs and, and devastating home runs to tie the game and then essentially the game winner in the eighth inning. Uh, you know, this is certainly not the Boston Red Sox of the last couple of years with household names in it. These are guys making the splash for themselves. And I think the grind out at bats, the really wear it down, even though the Blue Jays can do matchups and they really dive into that, uh, at the end of the day, it's about competing. And the Red Sox have had timely swings when they needed them the most. And rough night for Kikuchi. Just couldn't seem to get on track. Yeah, he really had to grind through that outing. You know, he certainly didn't have fastball command. His breaking ball stuff wasn't nearly as effective as what it had been. And it's disappointing because I don't say, I don't want to think that this is a step backward for you, say Kikuchi. He had really authored one, five, four really nice starts, five games that the Blue Jays had won with him on the mound. This is the first loss last night at Fenway Park where he had made a start and the Blue Jays did not win a game. And not that, not that Tanner Houck was doing anything special either. You know, Blue Jays really had some long at-bats, nice at-bats against them, but they had the guys ready out of the bullpen. And that was, to me, the last two nights, and last night especially, were really good ball games. Really good from a strategical standpoint, from a play standpoint, and ultimately, like, go out and try to win a ball game on both sides, and the Red Sox came up on top. We've had Eric Swanson on this show and uh, impressed with his uh, mentality. A kid who's not uh, grew up not far from here in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, I'll tell you what, that guy, uh, until last night, uh, once again, uh, kind of like a coochie, a little bit off night, but he's been a nice uh, addition to that bullpen. He has been such a good addition to the bullpen for John Schneider and Pete Walker and a guy that quickly got into the circle of trust in late game leverage situations. And in my mind right now over Jimmy Garcia, when it comes to where are the prime pockets and where do the matchups go for the blue Jays in favor of where they want arms to appear to me, Eric Swanson has emerged as a setup guy for Jordan Romano getting him into the ninth inning. And when there are dangerous at bats coming up late in the ball game, especially a tight ball game, that's the guy that the Blue Jays are going to go to. And it's the repertoire. His pitches have been outstanding. Uh, you know, you can fall in love with the fastball, absolutely, the way that he spots it. The splitter, for me, is a great, great weapon for him. Last night, though, it comes down to pitch execution. Pitch execution, that's the bottom line. Uh, it burned Jordan Romano. You know, a fastball down the middle in the mid-90s is going to get crushed in the big leagues. And if you're not able to spot your pitches the way that you want them, good hitters in the big leagues hit mistakes and usually when those mistakes happen the best hitters are in the batter's box and it can turn the tide of the game we've certainly seen that but eric swanson is is a really nice addition overall and I, he's going to have a great impact in the blue Jays' success this season I was uh, covering the CFL draft last night, so I didn't get a chance to listen to your call, but I listened to the game before, uh, another great one by Bo Bichette, and as you described, he's just ripping the cover off the ball right now. Unbelievable. What Bo Bichette has been able to do the start of this season, go back to last September when he was, and, and August, too, I mean, he was player of the month in August, um, and, and garnered a number of awards last year, where he has matured at the plate is incredible and you know he's not there's there's no scientific remedy here uh that Bo Bichette has has been able to find he is comfortable in the batter's box he's matured as a hitter he understands himself when he's in the batter's box and he's going out there and he's letting letting the game dictate how he swings the bat and 
it's it's an aggressive nature when he pulls the baseball. We've seen two of the just absolute titanic tanks mm-hmm. that he had. The one that he hit at Rogers Center on Sunday was, I mean, impressive. It's the second longest home run that he's hit in his career. And I think with the trajectory of that blast, it was just awesome. It was all striking. And then, you know, you go to Fenway where he tears the cover off the baseball. He always loves playing in Boston. You know, there's so much of his family's history, whether his dad and his mom met in Boston. Uh, his you know, father was deeply rooted and connected to a number of athletes and other sports in Boston. That's why he's such a, such a Celtics fan and a Bruins fan. And, and he's really connected to kind of that fabric of Boston. And there's no doubt that he gets up to go to games for Fenway. Uh, ben Wagner joining us here for a couple more minutes. Ben, that uh, I know we're early, but the the American League East, wow, it's a that's a tight and competitive division. You already mentioned the scrappy Red Sox. Yankees are banged up right now; they're in last. I mean, we're early, but the uh, Orioles no fluke in the Rays. I mean, we talked about them before; they just continue to roll along. I wondered last year with the Baltimore Orioles, with without any expectation, without any pressure what the Orioles would look like this year. And holy smokes, the Orioles look like a problem right now. Uh, The Baltimore Orioles are going to be a problem. Uh, The New York Yankees, when they have injuries, they've got guys that don't miss days. They miss weeks and months. And it looks like that trajectory is already rearing its ugly head in New York. So this is a division where the Blue Jays, the bottom line, the Blue Jays are better. They are better than the Boston Red Sox. Are they better than the Baltimore Orioles? Certainly, and they're much more mature. And it's interesting to see in another month or so if if Baltimore's success, especially with those young guys, if that tapers off once the book gets a little bit thicker and how they're pitched in the big leagues, they get back into American League Eastern Division competition. Um, if that tapers off from their success, I think the Blue Jays are going to be a very consistent team all year. Mm. There are a couple of things that they need to do better at. But to keep pace with the Tampa Bay Rays, and I, I think early in spring training we were chatting, and I said, watch out for the Tampa Bay Rays. They've got answers to every problem. And certainly the beginning of the season with their win-loss record, they are solving all those problems. And, and, and if you win so many games this early in the year, you're doing it with ease. So this is a really, really tough division. Absolutely. It's had a little bit of a changing of the guard, certainly, but the Blue Jays, for me, a team that out of the gate is already on pace to win over 90, 95 games. Everything's going to be fine. And if health works in their favor, they have certainly positioned themselves to compete with Tampa Bay, with whatever the Orioles end up looking like. And everybody thought the Yankees. And they, the Yankees can still get healthy. There's no doubt about that, especially with Domingo Herman really turning the corner and pitching deep into ball games now. That is a savior for that rotation if they can get somebody to step up and have a pretty consistent one through three in the rotation and then figure it out in four and five. They're still going to be right there at the end of things. So uh, it is a fun division. That's why it's so great to watch this division. That's why it's so great to be part of this division and have a lot of fun watching the Blue Jays just absolutely uh, at times dominate and have such incredible individual performances, let alone team success. Ben Wagner, a, a smart baseball guy by the name uh, by the name of Ben Wagner, told me you can't win you can't win a division in April, but you can lose a division in April. Now I know I need new glasses, but wait a minute here: the Pirates are twenty and ten, and the Cardinals are ten and twenty. What? Yeah, w- what happened in that division? Who turned it upside down? 
like what, what happened in the sand in the hourglass. Yeah, you know, with with Father Time catching up with so many of the Pittsburgh Pirates, where guys would go and try to salvage some major league success and then turn it into big time contracts overseas. Think about that. Guys looked at Pittsburgh not as major league job, but as an opportunity to go sign with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, have zero pressure, zero absolute, you know, you know honestly, like no expectation to mm-hmm. win as a unit. They, guys would go there pitching-wise, position player-wise, and try to turn it into three or four or five-year deals in Japan or Korea. Now, all of a sudden, they have this bunch of misfits out there, and I know Brian <laughs> Reynolds is outstanding, and he can go, he can go out there and, and play with anybody, and he, he's got rewarded for his contract. But... Carlos Santana in the middle of that lineup were his best days behind him. I don't know. O'Neill Cruz, I know he's on the injured list, but you know, massive talent right there. Was it ever going to come together for him? Again, zero expectations in Pittsburgh, right? Would he crumple and wilt if he was in Boston or New York? Doesn't matter. What, whatever they're doing in Pittsburgh right now with Derek Shelton, they're figuring it out. And Ben Charrington, remember now, who's the general manager over there in Pittsburgh, he's got a big track record of success with Boston, helping turn this franchise around in Toronto. And now he's doing it with the Pittsburgh Pirates, a limited payroll. I mean, they're not paying anybody. Yeah. Even though Reynolds got a $100 million contract. Uh, still, the, I think the last four payroll teams take Oakland out of the equation there. They're 30th, right? Um, they're barely fielding a triple A team yeah, at this awful. point. But, but if you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Pittsburgh, you look at Baltimore, some of the winningest totals are in the 26th, 27th, 28th, or 27th, 28th, 29th percentile in overall pay structure. And the Pittsburgh Pirates right there are doing things certainly creatively, but there's early success certainly is raising a lot of eyebrows, and they're making believers out of what's going on in the Steel City. And look ahead at this weekend, guess where the Blue Jays are. This, this is a trap series. Yeah. And I believe in stuff like that, certainly knowing that the Phillies are on the horizon with the Blue Jays, the two-game pocket there. They just got Bryce Harper back. And then Atlanta is waiting on them at Rogers Center next weekend when the Blue Jays come back home. So it's (laughs) – I mean, there are absolutely no opportunities in the schedule for Toronto to to get their head above water and take a big, deep breath, man. I mean, you're fighting the chop the entire time. This has been Ben Wagner, Around the Horn. Thanks for your time, man. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Last night, first time ever on radio, we had the first pick to the 72nd pick right through. Never been broadcast a CFL draft from pillar to post. We're going to do it every year as long as I'm around here with my buddy Sean Kleisinger because we are your voice of Rough Rider football and CFL football, undoubtedly. 620 CKRM, and we're proud of it. All right, so uh, you like the storylines behind the draft picks. This guy, Riffle Royal guy, went to school. Then school wasn't for him, or at least he was having trouble in school. Uh, left the U of R to go play with the Thunder. Dominated there. Uh, COVID kind of hit. Had a little bit of anxiety. Comes back and has an outstanding year with the Rams. And I was kind of... This is the one I wish the Riders would have got. Tanner Schmeckle was picked by the hated Blue Bombers. That's a great pick for Winnipeg. Here's last night with Tanner. Now, Tanner, they list you as 6'2", 270. I'm going to say that was your Riffle Royals weight. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I think like, the height might be a little off this. I got measured out of the combine, but I think around now I'm like 295, close to 300, but... Yeah, so uh, Tanner, I'm not going to lie to you. Not not real pleased that you're a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, not a uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Did you have an inkling that the Bombers were going to take you? I honestly didn't. I had no idea. I'm just at my house with my family and friends, and I was just waiting for the call. I didn't know who was going to call at the end of the day, but I couldn't be happy right now. We called you before the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Was that? Did you, how did you find out? Was it us? Did you see it online? How did it work? Um, so... We, I have a bunch of people at my house right now, and we're just watching the draft on the TV. Obviously, we watched the first two rounds live on TSN, and we're just slowly, like, everyone's on their phone watching the latest picks. And then my girlfriend looked at me. She saw my name get up by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and then the place went crazy. So, um... Uh, Regina guy, Riffle Royal North NOD guy, uh, played for the Rams. How does it feel to be wearing bomber colors now, the blue and gold? Honestly, not so far away from home, so it doesn't feel too uncomfortable. And I saw my one of my best buddies, Anthony Bennett, get drafted in the earlier rounds to Winnipeg, so I don't think it's going to feel too unfamiliar. I'm going to be there with a couple of guys I know pretty well. I'm not too far away from home. We travel to Winnipeg every year on the Rams, so I'm used to Winnipeg. I'm happy to go there. Yeah, so uh, Tanner, your guy, and it's been well documented when you've talked to me, you dealt with anxiety a little bit. Um, How important was it for you to stay close to home? Because a lot of teams are picking guys closer to home. Um, I think think, uh, COVID kind of hit home with anxiety and I think after COVID ended and I was able to get out of my house and just get into the public back into my normal rhythm I think I kind of got through that a little bit so I wasn't too worried about where I was going to end up but not going to lie being five six songs away from home it's going to make my family feel like that it's, it's nice you're stout. You take on a lot of double teams. Uh, Don and I were talking about this here on the radio show. By the way, from now on, you listen to the radio because we do the draft. Uh, we don't we don't veer away after two rounds. We're doing it from pillar to post, from the start to the end. Here, Tanner. So tell all your tell all your friends because you know me. I like promoting Canadian talent like Tanner Schmeckel. So um, tell the people how you play because you do eat up blocks. I would say if you compare to me to other interior D linemen, uh, I'm a little more ferocious than most. Uh, my run stopping ability is a little different than most people. I, I think I'm pretty hard to move in the middle. Um, I think my pass rush has some pretty elite game. It's gonna it's gonna come a long way once I get some professional coaching and lastly tanner just a, just a shout out well two things a shout out to those people that have helped you along the way in terms of your family members you may want to give them a shout out i would have to shout out my mother she's been there through everything helped me through school helped me through just any adversity i've ever had same with my father similar attributes just anytime i'm in a tough spot they're there for me and then i have to take the rams to Anytime I went through a downward spiral or anything like that, they've been there for me and helped me get through it. Um, there's way too many people to think right now, but my my head's just spiraling, so I just I'm missing some people. But just every person who's helped me, you know who you are. Thank you very much. I wouldn't be here without any of you. 
Man, I'm happy for you. Congratulations and best of luck, except for when you play the green and white. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I got Well, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Take you know what, Tanner? Tanner, I was going to say it's Don here. Uh, I think Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to be very happy they drafted you. I think you're going to be a heck of a player in the CFL. I wish you are in green and white, but you're going to do a damn good job, Tanner, after watching you for the Rams. I appreciate that a lot. All right, so that's Tanner Schmeckel joining us after being drafted by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They also took Anthony Bennett, so half of the Rams' D-line in Winnipeg with the Blue Bombers. Coming up next, this guy hates the Blue Bombers. It's Andrew Dawson, our news guy at 5 o'clock. He hates the Bombers. He's mad. He's mad. He's got his big Rough Rider foam finger in the news booth. Uh, when we come back after 5 o'clock, the first pick the Riders made, Lake uh Corte Moore, D-lineman. He will join us on the sports cage here on 620 CKRM. Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the sports cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go, the final hour of the show. Michael Ball along with Sean Kleisinger, my producer and uh, slash co-host. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. You can always text us at 936-6262. We got a text from uh, Connie in Cooks Creek. Looked like the uh, Riders and Red Blacks had ideas to invite fans down. Good on them. Yeah, we had. Uh, I didn't see the Red Blacks, but I do know the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Because we were there, had a draft party, and invited, I think, 400 fans RSVP'd, season ticket holders. Uh, less than half showed up. It was a beautiful day. Leafs were on. So there are other things that played into it. But at least they started just like us. We broadcast the draft live on the radio. First time on a Canadian radio station, the entire CFL college draft was broadcast. As we get to um, know these guys. And uh, it's time to uh, get to know... The newest Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Third overall selection in the uh, 2023 Canadian College Draft. A University of British Columbia Thunderbird from Ottawa, Ontario. Lake Corte Moore. Hi, Lake. Hey, how are you? Awesome, man. That's a great name. Lake Corte Moore. How many times have you been told that? Uh, a few times. A lot, a lot of people think it's Lake at first when I say it, but I uh, have to correct them and say it's like the body of water. So. Yeah, so how did you, how did the parents come up with that name? Uh, my uh, So Lake's actually my middle name. Um, Garnet's my first name, but uh, my mom really liked Lake, so she just started calling me my middle name Lake all the time, and uh, it, it came from uh, our cottage being on Lake Ontario. Nice. So you're a guy that, uh, like, you're in B.C., moving to Saskatchewan, but that's no big deal because you're Ottawa living in B.C. Talk about going cross-country. You're like the littlest hobo. You wouldn't know that because you're too young, but the old TV show, the dog would go from town to town and never have an owner. You're, like, all over the place. So no big deal for you to move to Saskatchewan. No, no, none at all. I can't wait. Um, I've been to... Regina a few times now. I, I took a visit there when I was a uh, game recruit as well. So um, I love the city. It's a great place. And, and uh, my uh, defensive line coach, Shamari Williams, is the first overall pick there. So he's told me some great spots to go to and, and some amazing things to do there. So Yeah, and, and as far as Can West centers, how, how did you like coming to Regina to play as a UBC Thunderbird? You were part of upsetting the Rams this year. Thanks a lot in the playoffs. Really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that one. Um, but no, uh, 
I love it. Every time, every time we go to Regina, it's awesome. It's a great environment, an amazing um, stadium, amazing field. Um, and actually, I'm still undefeated there. So uh, I'm going to try and keep that going. Awesome, man. I know when Jeremy O'Day was addressing uh, the media after he made the selection and picked you third overall, he said, really like what I saw on tape from him, but really like seeing him in person. We happened to be at the stadium when he had a really great game. So that's kind of how it is, man. Uh, You never know when the eyes are on you, either uh, the eye in the sky or people with their own eyeballs doing the eyeball test. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So practice everything. You you just got to be yourself and you just gotta gotta work hard and no matter what people can always be watching you so what you go after it what'd you take in school student athlete what's the student part uh student part so i'm gonna have a a major in sociology and a minor in education so do you want to be like a teacher or what do you want to do after football's done many years Uh, down the road um we'll see Uh, at the same time i i've been a full-time carpenter uh so that's something that that i like to do as well and may get into and I've looked at the route of uh, possibly becoming a firefighter as well, but um, yeah, if if, if I uh, get the time and I'm able to, I, I wouldn't say no to trying to become a teacher, but at this time, I haven't fully thought about it yet. You're younger. How old are you? I'm 23. Yeah, 23. You get the world ahead of you, man. Well, here's the thing. A Logan Furlan on the offensive line, he has his own finishing and framing business. So maybe Logan can hire you in the offseason. Maybe you two could team up, huh? A little rider team up yeah. there. For sure. No, I'd, I'd be willing to work and do anything. So Awesome. Well, we uh, talked. Yeah, look into it. Yeah, versatility off the field, versatility on the field. Uh, Jeremy likes the fact that you're very athletic and he can play special teams. What's your best attribute? Uh, I would just say my relentless motor um, and discipline. I, uh, I don't think I don't take bad penalties and I don't play um, recklessly in a way. So uh, I'm able to use my use my strength when I need to, and I'm able to use my speed when I need to. So um, that's just what I'm I'm looking forward to doing on the field, no matter uh, where where I play or, or where I am. Um, any any special team and on defense as well. How'd you get into football? How did you uh, get turned on by this sport? Yeah, so uh, my grandfather actually he um, he used to play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, so my family kind of has the football background. But when I was six years old, one of my best friends uh, in my daycare system went and played football, and he told me. And I, I asked my dad then. I was like, "Hey, can I go play football with him?" And started playing tackle football at the age of six, and and just kind of fell in love with it and realized how far it could take me when when it comes to school um and then possibly a career in it uh so yeah it's become my my love and and the second second biggest thing in my life in a way uh behind my family so So tell me uh uh who's grandpa like who is grandpa fill me in here so yeah so my grandfather his name's george moore um Hmm. he, he went to the university of north dakota and played there for a few years and uh then he came up and, and he played for the the Bombers, um, but he definitely he, he did he wasn't an all star like a big time player, but uh, just him playing there uh, was awesome. And I, I remember when I was younger, they used to to give uh, alumni free tickets and stuff. So my grandfather used to get tickets, and my first ever game was at the old uh, stadium in Winnipeg there, and uh, got to go see Milt Spiegel play, and it, it was awesome. It definitely made me want want to play the game especially cuz at that time Ottawa didn't have a didn't have a, a team so it it was definitely awesome to see in person and and really 
made me fall in love with the game a little more. Who'd you, uh, who you? Who were you with when you found out you were the third overall selection? And did you have an inkling the Riders were interested? Honestly, um, I had a great interview with them uh, in uh, at the combine, and and I had interest from them, but I, I had no clue. I had no idea. I, I didn't know that they were going to take me. Um, but I'm, I'm, it was a very happy surprise, and and I thought as well. I thought they would phone before the pick. I, I didn't know what the process was. Um, so I was just sitting there with my family, friends, a lot of teammates, coaches. Um, we were all together, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, oh, I guess they're, I'm not getting picked by, by Saskatchewan because they haven't phoned me yet. And then the commissioner came on and, and announced it, and I kind of, like, froze, and I was, in, I was shocked. And, and I looked at my mom, and she started crying, and it was, it was an amazing moment for sure. And uh, I was glad to be with a lot of friends and uh, friends and family, so it was awesome. Lastly, Lake, who comes to, to, to mind at the top of the list in terms of getting you to where you are right now? Uh, for sure, my parents. Uh, they've done everything for me. Um, they've been there for me the entire time. They've supported me. Um, others are my, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother and grandfather. They did a lot for me. and uh, Just all around my entire family. Uh, we're such a close-knit family and, and my, all my sisters are always there for me. And um, I couldn't, I wouldn't be the the man I am today without without my family. Honestly, well, you sound like a great young man. We, you and I, did talk back in the day a couple of years ago when I did that Can West YouTube show during uh, the pandemic, if you remember, and I had you yeah. uh, on the list. So that's it's awesome to reconnect with you. It's great you're a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. I'm going to be happy to call your name. So break it to your family. I hate to say this, we hate the freaking Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know that, right? Oh. I know, I know. I'm gonna have to get my grandmother to to wear green to the game. So oh, I'm sure so, she'll she'll have, she'll have no there. she'll have no problem doing that. You make sure and you tell me uh, you tell me your family's name. We'll convince her by giving her a shout out on the radio. Okay, what's her name? What's her name right now? Patricia Moore. Patricia Moore. Patricia, we love you, but it's time to turn your back on bloody Winnipeg and the blue and gold. It's green and white, baby. Rider Nation. Anyway, thanks for your time, yes, Lake. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, can't wait to get to work, and, and let's get after the Great Cup this year, Rider Nation. Damn straight. Lake Corte Moore of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll be back in a moment on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right. So last night, our draft show, a lot of great storylines. Up in Saskatoon, a Calgary boy figured prominently in the receiving core the last couple of years for the uh, Huskies is Daniel Perry. Uh, his dad is uh, currently uh, terminally ill with brain cancer. Um, so uh, he got to see his son play in the Vanier Cup this year, and he got to see his son drafted last night by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Let's uh, go to that interview last night. Uh, Calgary boy Daniel Perry. Uh, and Daniel, uh, you're an Ottawa Red Black. How does that feel? It feels amazing. I'm so glad that I had a chance to go and be able to, to play the football at the next level. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm out over the world on this. So uh, talk about this, man. We kind of touched on it earlier. When did you decide that um, professional football might be something for you? Uh, yeah, as I said before, like the, the, when I first started playing football in Pee Wee and Bantam, like the, the um, idea started to formulate, but then as I, I progressed in football and I started to get uh, like better and I was able to have a chance to play for the Huskies, like it, it, my dreams started to become a reality and it uh, got really exciting and now, I've, uh, now I'm a yeah, pro athlete. 
You know, I, I, I want to ask you about playing in a pro-style offense as Scott Flory had there. He learned it from Mark Tressman in the Anthony Calvillo days when he played there. And then playing with a quarterback with a rocket arm like Mason Nyes, the Regina kid that's now quarterback coach at UBC. Just how much that helped you? Because you got to have game tape. you got to have tape that people can see. And when you get on the national stage now, more people are watching you like in back-to-back years. Yeah, I want to say just... Uh, being able to play under Scott Flory with just his, like his, his playbook so complex and so high level that I think it'll it'll definitely uh, help me uh, at the next level with the with the CFL playbook and honestly just uh, being able to play with Mason and uh, being able to go to two Vanier Cups with him it was uh, pretty amazing he was a great quarterback great leader I learned a lot from him and yeah I, I think they uh, Mason and uh, Scott Flory set me up pretty good to be able to play at the next level. I'm very disappointed because you hung up on us to talk to Bob Dice. How dare you talk to your, <laughs> how dare you talk to your new boss before us? But a good uh, good guy who is a who's a who's a who's a players coach. I love that guy. I'm glad he's finally getting a, a chance to be a permanent head coach after two cleanup duties. What did Bob Dice have to say to you? Uh, it, it was he was just welcoming to the team, telling me that he's excited to have me out there. He was um, saying that I have a I have a good skill set for the team. Um, he's excited to see how I do in camp, and I just told him that I, I hopefully I am able to land a spot on his team and show him the, the stuff that he wants to see. And Daniel, lastly, we talked about it earlier. Where I aired the interview. Um, this has a little extra meaning for you here. Uh, did you were you with your family? I know everybody knows now. They've heard on the radio here. Your dad's battling brain cancer, and it's in you know it's inoperable. It's terminal. But um, uh, do you have a chance to celebrate with your family and your dad today? Well, of course, yeah. They, they've been here with me through through rounds one to five. Uh, it's been a pretty nerve wracking experience. My dad, my dad was on edge the whole time, and I'm just I'm glad I'm able to share it with my family and friends, and especially my dad throughout the the process that we've been through. What's your dad's name again? Sorry, John. John. Well, congratulations to John. What's mom's name? Candice. John and Candace for raising a great young man, Daniel Perry. Congratulations, man. Uh, proud of you, and best of luck in Ottawa. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to play at the next level. And, and we're excited to see you. All right. When we come back. That's uh, Daniel Perry who joined us on the uh, the hotline yesterday during the draft show. Speaking of the draft, we're going to have Luke Molitor in. And you know he always uh, dives in. He's a draft nerd. He's going to come in and talk about the picks, what he sees, what he thought of the Riders draft. Getting us uh, excited for training camp. That's after our 530 News, our sports ticker, and Pat Chat. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chat for the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. Seven games might look like this oh. could be pretty exciting. Exactly. Scores! From the line, Vince done with a shot that Jordan Everly got his stick on. He tips it home, and it's 4-2 Seattle. Yeah, it wasn't much of a call there. It happened really quickly. Jordan Everly gets a piece of Vince Dunn's point shot for a tip-in goal and made it 4-2 in the first period. The Stars went on to tie the game, but the Kraken did win in overtime, so the Seattle Kraken with a one to nothing series lead over those Dallas Stars, and Jordan Eberle with a goal and an assist. A couple Regina Pat alumni players making some noise in the playoffs, Jordan Eberle and of course Chandler Stevenson of the Vegas Golden Knights. That series between Vegas and Edmonton starts tonight. 
your Wednesday Pat Chat. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, our buddy Luke Molitor in studio. Before we get to our draft talk, I'm going to put this on your mic. And then I'm also going to uh, talk about this. So this guy here did, on Twitter, he's like, Okay, Leaf Nation, we won a series. We haven't won the Stanley Cup. Let's just get down to business. And yeah. uh, that was part of the problem last night, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think half the half of ter- Ontario realized that the first round wasn't the Stanley Cup. <laughs> it was just like, oh my God, we got to keep going. Yeah, idiots, we've got the second round. Well, never mind that. And Nylander's got a wide open Nylander's chance at the well, net. It's because he was. He was probably probably had to cancel a bunch of tea times when, when they won. The, <laughs> He's looking at the Stanley seven. Cup parade. He's like, like, oh man, yeah. Where's oh. the parade, man? Come on, like, listen, Florida, man. They're 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 an upstart team. They're, they're a good they're, team. They're, yeah, you know, like. Well, they beat Boston, right? Yeah. But like, dude, capitalize on momentum, man. That could have been, dude. If they would have won that game in handily, it, it would have just. You, know? you realize that the Oilers and Leafs fan base mirror each other. They're kind no, of similar. No, no, they do. You guys are entitled. The Oilers fan base is entitled, and there's not much time that's gone by between our last victory in the Grey, uh, in the Stanley Cup and your last victory. And I know you guys like to think that, but the Oilers fan base is. So so entitled. You guys run around there and like every one of you, every one of you is a, a hockey expert, right? And you, you got such pointed opinions about and about McDavid, about about everybody. Like the Leafs fans, we're just we're just we're just hey man, like let's go, let's do something, right? Let's. But we yeah. don't get you guys get like literally really mad at like coaching decisions, like yeah, line like changing. Rider Nation. And so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't want the Leafs and the Oilers. It's a perfect opportunity. To meet in the Stanley Cup, I can't Not, wait. neither team should screw this up. I can't either because we're going to sweep your ass. Wow, <laughs> wow! You're not even going to get who you guys got? Las Vegas? Oh, oh. five games oh, over five games. No, it's not you five guys, games. You guys, it's you're going to take an L tonight, and then it's going to go downhill from there. You know why? Because you put all your eggs in one basket, and you nobody wants to just sort of just really face the facts that mm-hmm. maybe, just maybe, the guy who is the best hockey player in the NHL right now, but maybe he's just not the guy to bring you to that Stanley Oh, God. We'll go, we'll go uh, check out some of the uh, ladies of the night, uh, play a little roulette, show up for the second period, and yeah, win. Ed, all right. <laughs> hey, wait a minute here. i got to plug this in because John, the Habs fan, is on the phone. He what, wants to- what are we giving up? Why are we giving the mic to Habs fans? Well, he's. He, I couldn't find them on the playoff schedule at all. I'm talking about last week, this week. They're not on the playoff schedule. Okay. Why are we listening to a Habs oh, Okay, John, come on, man. Go ahead. What's your take? Luke, you can find me uh, at my work. You know, I see you all the time. And you talk about Leaf fans. They're the most delusional fan base in all of sports. Hey. Like, holy man. And then any time they say Austin Matthews is as good as Connor McDavid, that's all I need to say. He couldn't tie McDavid's skates on his best day. Here, here. Nobody says. Nobody says. Nobody says. Yeah. That he's better than Connor McDavid. Well, they did last year. All the Leaf fans did last year. We say he's much better. We say say he's head over heels better. We say it's not even close. (laughs) Leafs forever, baby. 
<laughs> He's just bugging I'll you. Talk to you Luke, when, when Florida beats him. He said he'll talk to you when Florida beats him. Well, I, I still don't see Montreal even on the schedule. Anyway. I didn't even, they weren't on the playoff schedule. They weren't even on CBC yeah. schedule. Hey, we love you, John. It was Take three one. Hey, we love. Have to say, Luke, it three one. Luke. Yeah, we know. <laughs> see you, John. Take care, buddy. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it. Okay, so let's get the football talk. Yeah. And I was wondering why a little bit Calgary was going receiver heavy yesterday in the draft, but then it comes out today that Jalen Philpot is out indefinitely with a torn hamstring. He needs surgery, yeah. and he's out. So they went and got uh, Clark Barnes from the University of Guelph, the same school as Kean Schaefer Baker, and he is a kind of a Kean clone. They're looking mm. at him that way, and that'd be great for Calgary, not for us. And uh, they got this other guy, uh, Cole Tucker, uh, out of northern Illinois. Well, and, and, and that is a classic example of what teams need to consider these days, too, is like there's never going to be a time in this modern day where especially the skill players don't get hit with a long-term injury mm-hmm. like that's just the world we're living in and teams are going to have to adjust so clearly calgary adjusted and um other teams are going to have to be ready with their with their two deep three deep plans there there's never been a more crucial time for teams to have talented depth than this day and age in the canadian football league because there's going to be a massive injury and you're going to have to get through it so i'm going to ask you this question here before we get to the draft picks per se i'm going to i'm going to ask you this question people were kind of uh, upset the riders didn't go o-line mm-hmm. now I don't know that the O-line class was very strong this year. You can make a case whether it's strong or not strong any mm-hmm. year, but it, it, in particular, a lot of guys opted out, so they didn't go that way. Right. But also, you got to remember, they picked the guy from Western, Zach Fry, last year in the second round. O'Day right. liked him. And Diego Alatora Montoya, who's right. a big guy that was developing. So my question to you is this. That's probably their mentality. They spent mm-hmm. last year. Also, how long does it take... Generally, alignment to develop. It's a couple year process, well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially if he's out of U sport, right? Yeah. You're, you're gonna you're looking at unless you're a guy like Logan Bandy who gets yeah. thrown in there and yeah. out of out of basically out of attrition, but yeah. still, it's a valuable um, it's valuable playing experience. Um, I think it takes two or three years, especially right to 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 really get your feet set. And I think that that's also though what people need to look at when it comes to the riders. Look, I would have I wouldn't have batted an eye if they went lineman, 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 right? That's yep. just because you know how I think about yep. this game. About, but here, here's the deal. I mean, they've got Zach Fry, right? It's time to see what he's got. They've got Logan Bandy, who played a ton of reps last year, and that's going right? to pay dividends. That's going to pay dividends if he has his mind right in the off season, right. right? Like if he's had a good off season and done what he's supposed to do, Logan Bandy's going to have to come in here. But and he's now have to he knows. But now he knows, Luke. What's key here? And Don and I talked about this last night. Now mm. Logan Bandy knows from game reps what it takes. Yeah, exactly right. And so, so, so you've got Philip Blake. You've got Peter Godbert and you've got Evan Johnson. I'm telling you right now, they've got the makings of figuring out where, because you got to remember, well, this is what people, the five American O-linemen that are coming into camp includes Cooper Richardson. And Cooper Richardson played really, really well at the end of the year. I hope that he gets an opportunity to start leading out with the ones group this year in training camp, right? They've got Cooper Richardson, so they really got to find one of those other tackles, you know, and and from there, it's going to be, you know, they got some mix. They've got a couple young guys, um, you know, that Jordan, um, that Jordan, uh, the North Carolina kid, I'm forgetting his last name right now. He's 24 years old. He played on a really, really good North Carolina line, yeah. right? So, And he's played a lot of football, right? So they've, they've, they've got some linemen in there that I think need to fall in place. But again, I... 
I really don't. Th- I think people are looking at it wrong. I know that everybody's talking about Philip Blake as a tackle. I, I want know you that. to address this because Don and I were talking about this. I don't think. I don't think Phil Blake. Because I think what they're going to do, or at least I, this is what I would do if I was Coach Dickinson. And and when I say that, I'm not. I'm not in meetings. I'm not. Yeah. But right now, my competition, I would have Logan Furland at that left ta- left guard. Right. My competition would be for the left tackle. I'd keep Cooper Richardson on the right. And what I would do is I would have Godber and I would have Philip Blake playing there. And and I would really have Evan Johnson on the bubble. And if Logan Bandy had a really good camp, if uh, um, and if and if Zach Fry looks ready, I'd have to look at moving Evan on from Evan Johnson. That's where I see it, right? So so unless, but hey, Evan Johnson's had an off season too, right? He's watched the film from last year. So I, I think how much of, how much of sorry for cutting you off, Luke. Sure. How much of Evan Johnson's problem? Because Don and I talked about this last night. Was you know. Part of the part of the season, Logan Bandy's the center, inexperienced, and then the Ty Rogers was a grease fire, yeah, and then his yeah. his replacements, yeah. and so maybe he was trying to overcompensate a little bit and getting out of his 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 uh, his duty, so to speak. Because we picked him one game as an offensive game star, it wasn't mm-hmm. like it was yeah, a total yeah. grease fire for no, him last year. No, no, it wasn't a total grease fire. But here's the thing, though, the things you just mentioned. That's why Evan Johnson needed to step up. That's why we needed Evan Johnson. We needed a leader because the things around him weren't consistent. Mm-hmm. He had the opportunity to be that consistent guy. Yeah, you're right. He had spots where he was really good, but he also had spots where he could have been better. And and with a guy like Evan Johnson, when you have that much movement on your left and on your right side, the team was needing leaders last year, right? So I think that, yeah, this year they do have some competition. They're not totally, totally thin, right? But again, Zach Fry's got to be ready, and I'm really hoping we see something from Logan Bandy. Yeah, good point. Okay, when we come back, we'll get to the actual draft picks last night. Luke's broke uh, broken them down, uh, at least a few of them. This is the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, current rider, color commentator on our radio network, Luke Molitor in studio here. And let's talk about the picks last night in the 2023 draft. Covered live here on 620 CKRM from pillar to post, from start to finish. Think about it. In over 100 years of CFL football, that's never been done in the history of no, the league was, where it's been in the radio. It was phenomenal, man. Congratulations. I, I think that it was huge for, you know, for, for Rider Nation, but also, you know, the more radio shows that start doing that, the, the better off we're going to be. So it was great to see. Yeah, it got it got me going. So and yeah, I'm pumped. I'm ready now, man. So so yeah. I know a couple of these kids pretty well watching U Sports football. Mm-hmm. Lake Corte Moore, who was on here with us uh, just after five o'clock, a really good kid. Just from mm-hmm. my couple conversations with him, so he looks like he checks the character box, which we like to say. Mm-hmm. But you looked at his film. What do you like about Lake Corte Moore, D Lyman? Oh, I like, you know, he's he's a power-based guy, right? But he's got really, really good instincts. One of the things about Lake Corte Moore, he's got this stab move that he uses really, really well and not only uses well, but he also can can translate off it, right? He can go to a second. And a stab move is really tough to, like, get down as a college kid. And the reason why is because you have to trust yourself and your leverage, right? And yeah. college kids, you know, that's why they're they're so much they're bull I, I really I liked his film. I talked to Shamari Williams. It gave me a good chance yeah. to talk to us. Shamari told me, he's like, look, I coached this kid to be a pro. And I asked Shamari, hey, like is he gonna is he gonna be able to play with his hand in the dirt? Because that's where I see him. I see him he's got a high seal I see him as being a little bit of an Ed Fillion guy. Ed okay, Fillion yeah. played at six five, about two sixty five, two seventy in the middle consistently, right? Yeah. So um is he the fact 
passes guy? No. But I think that, you know, um, with time, I think he's got a chance to be good. But again, he's got the tools. He's like, you know, special teams. Um, he can probably come in and be a really productive fullback on kick return. Probably comes in and, and, and becomes a good personal protector uh, on punt cover, right? Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, he gives them some good. And again, he pushes Charbel De Beer as well, right? Because we've got to see something out of Charbel. We start, started to see some things, but it needs to be consistent. Um, and that's that's what being part of the pros is. But yeah, he's got he's he's got all the th- and he's a physical guy. Like he's yeah. a physical grind him out guy, which is which is something that you can't teach, right? Jackson Ford is a guy that's six yeah. about he's six feet. They list him as six one, but he's not six one. He's about six feet. He's right around two hundred pounds, but he plays downhill. Listen, so I I, I called Vincent Donaldson. Vincent yeah. Donaldson coached him at the yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we started talking about him, and I was like, Vince, give me the. You know how like you get the U sport kids, and some of them come to camp, and then they go back to school. Yeah. First thing Vince goes is he's not coming back. Yeah. And and he's a gamer. Like this kid is going to immediately compete for that starting safety spot with guys like Jaden Dalkey. I know we've got a yeah. few. We've got Nelson Lacombo. Yeah. We've got um we've got Kosian Yeka. But the thing I like about this guy is U of R used him all over the. They play close to what a pro system would play, right? Yeah. But they used him at free safety. They used him at strong side linebacker. They used him in man and zone coverage. Uh, they blitzed him off the edge. Like he did a lot for them. So he already comes in as a guy you can potentially move around. You know that this team's probably not going to get Mike Adam back, right? You know that there's going to be a competition for that spot. I really like this, and he's a big kid, six one one ninety. Like yeah. he's not a small guy. So um, yeah, for him, and and the best part about it is is you love you love the guys that right away their coaches say, man, this kid's this kid's a he's a worker, and b he's got a high football IQ. And you know who it reminds me of? The same thing as Mitch Picton when he first came in. He's a guy that understands football, right? Just like Mitch Picton did. So hopefully that translates for him because he's got all the opportunity. Where I really like the first two draft picks. I did. What about living up to the last name Ford? Al Ford GM. Uh, I mean, there comes there there comes a little bit of pressure with that. You don't think? I, I don't think the pressure is anything more than the pressure he's going to put on himself. Yeah. I think that, you know, in this day and age, these athletes understand that, you know, yeah, it's nice to have a lineage and stuff, yeah. but you really got to cut your own path at some point. And, and I think that with this kid, the ability to go inside out, or, or, you know, to go to that yeah. Sam spot to play the, yeah. play the stage. And you saw it last year, right? You saw it, as soon as we had an injury situation, it was Dalkey coming in. He was going down low. He was going up high, right? This kid's going to immediately come t- and compete for a spot and, and complete for, compete for some playing time, excuse me. Okay, so when looking at one thing I like about the Canadian draft mm-hmm. is you gotta look at your roster. Okay, I got this guy here. Now I gotta find somebody if we run into an injury situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, case in point, Micah Tights missed all of last year right. with a groin injury, right? And mm-hmm. turned into a bit of a hip problem. He's expected to be back, but remember, he didn't play since the change of the hash mm-hmm. marks, right? Now Josh White was on the board. He was a linebacker for the Rams, mm-hmm. little bit undersized, but still a great football player. He went to the Red Blacks later. The Ryder went with six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounder uh, out of York University, Matt Dean. He's yeah. a twenty three year old that logged one hundred and fifteen tackles, twelve and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, and two interceptions. We had John yeah. Haw, John from Three Down Nation, said he may be the most athletic linebacker, or right behind Broderick, who went number Whoa. two. He went right behind Broderick. He said behind Broderick for athletic linebackers that were that might. 
play right away in the CFL. He's athletic in terms of his change of direction. I'll give him that. I don't think he's. I don't think he's athletic in the way people think that athletic. Uh, look, here's you what, have a different version of athleticism. Yeah, what yeah, you're saying. yeah, yeah. He can like he can he can turn and pivot in small spaces. Like I yeah. agree with that. He played middle linebacker and he came off the edge in blitz situation. The first thing you got to understand about York University is the competition level at York isn't great. So you have to take the film for what it is and a really you know under get to know the kid. Um, the the thing that he's going to have to work on because he's got the side to side speed. He's got some good instincts. He's going to really have to work on getting off the blocks with his hands. That's the one thing you like in you. You can see on his film. He's used to just sort of running through guys, ripping through guys. You don't do that in the pros. And the other thing is if he wants to be good, he's going to have to continue to run his feet on contact. He makes a lot of co- um, tackles when his and, and his feet die. You know what the linebacker, uh, the running backs in this league, you yeah. can't, you can't pause your feet on contact. Right through. Yeah. Right. So, so he's got some potential. I'm not saying he's got some potential, but he didn't do a ton. And when you look at Micah tights, right? Micah tights looked when you looked at Micah Tights' film at the University of Calgary, Micah Tights looked like he had some things, right? Like, the film is similar, right? So I'm not saying that he's... he's I'm just saying that he's going to have to come in, and the first thing he's got to get used to is that pro speed and that pro... Just the, the fundamental techniques at the pro level, that's really going to help him because he's running around guys, he's running through guys on film, but the, the way he's doing it is not going to correlate in the pros. He's going to get absorbed by offensive linemen who are pulling, they're just going to pull him back because he's just giving up his shoulders. So that's one of the things about this draft, right? You have yeah. guys that have really good stats, but they're coming in with things that really need to be worked on but if they do like if he does work on that you see a good future for the kid because he's got a motor so uh, you and I like Ante Milanovic leader who was an Edmonton running back and and left in free agency Mm -hmm. I, I think you know it's a fair comparison. Thomas Bertrand Houdon from Delaware State, a fourth round pick, thirtieth overall. He's six foot, two hundred and twenty yeah. pounds. He may be a, a, a he's a bowling ball type of you running know who back. I see, you know who I see, and Roger Nation is going to love this. I watched a lot of his film today. I see Chris Zarka. In That's what kid. Don Hewitt said I, too. I, I really do. I think that you know, you, like the way he stand, the way he runs with the football. I think that he blocks really well as well. Um, you know, he lets he lets he he trusted his lineman. You could really tell that he's, he wasn't in a rush. At Delaware State. He would wait for the gaps, and and then he would. I mean, he ran a four seven. He's not going to pull away from everybody, yeah. but he's got. He looks a little faster than four seven on film, right? But but I really think that this is a Chris Zarka type of dude who's going to give you everything on punt return, everything on punt cover, kickoff, kick return, and then potentially give you some good goal line reps. Like he's a tough runner, and you like the fact that he's always got both hands over the football in traffic, right? Nothing fancy about the kid, right? And, and so you look Zarka, at, yeah, yeah, Zark, and you're looking at guys they got on the roster. Right, like you also got guys like Bruno Labelle, right? I really see he he's going to fit in if 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 he takes advantages of his windows of opportunity. Got to make plays in camp. Good replacement for a James Tuck type of player. Yeah, who and left. get yeah, exactly, and get in the playbook, right? Because I, I like watch the film, like you literally see a young Chris Sarka. It's pretty cool. Awesome, man. Okay, so I'm going to skip over. Uh, City Sal because we're not getting him. Yeah, and we're not getting him. He's a, <laughs> he, he got him. he's in no. the NFL. Uh, let's go to this guy, Evan Florin. Uh, uh, O'Day said, and we had it on the air. His post mortem of the draft. Mm-hmm. This guy is a seventh rounder, but. Remember the Riders hit on a sixth rounder last year in Jaden Dalkey. They mm. li- they had the, they had this lineman higher on their board. Mm-hmm. They were happy to get him here. He's a three hundred pounder out of Queens. Just yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, I think that. Um, 
I think that him, like, he's going to have to come in and do something exceptional, yeah. right? Like, he's, um, I think that he's good for, like, I see him in a Zach Fry type of role or a Matt yeah. Riley, right? Yeah. Come in, like, yeah, you know yeah. what? You notice him. He's mm-hmm. got some good, he's got some good footing. But, yeah, I, I, I just... I think that he's again. It's that question of, hey, you know, how long does it take to develop guys, right? And and I think that we look next year and we say exactly what we said about Zach Fry and Logan Bennett. I hope they had a good off season. They showed some things, right? But I, I don't see him making an immediate impact on on the team. But that's that's the that's the beauty of the thing. You know what I mean? Like if he's listening to this, he's like, man, I'm going to make that guy STFU, right? Like yeah. So uh, yeah, I just, big guy, six foot four, three hundred pounds. But yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know if he's going to be able to crack that that. Depth. I've watched a lot of tape on this guy because I did a Can West Top 50 show and I, uh, I I watched him play live. Nick mm. Thomas, he's a guy yeah. that uh, pro, uh, a project for Brian Doby there at Manitoba. Brian Doby can't say enough good things about him. I've yeah. talked to him. He's a good kid and he flies around. He's five. He's five eleven, two hundred and ten yeah. pounds, and you can really see that he plays with a motor. Yeah. So. So he's got a good opportunity, like Matt Dean. Like he's got like Micah Tice. There's some good linebackers in that room to learn off of in camp. He's a former rugby player too, yeah. so he, he's tough. And you're right about the fact that he flies around. But the biggest thing, again, it, it goes back to Matt Dean. The biggest thing that you have to translate from college to pro, and you realize it really quickly in camp, is the things that you got away in college with. So the big hits in college, they're missed tackles in the pros. And and those and Nick Thomas and Mac Dean are really gonna have to work hard at becoming solid professional fundamental players. I think they both got a chance, especially they they both got really great motors. Matt Dean, Nick Thomas, you can see him flying around, chasing down guys, right? Side to side speed is great, but again, they're raw in terms of what actually needs to translate as a pro. He's got some huge hits, right? But again, huge hits or missed tackles in this league. If if you if you don't if if you if you're not catching guys by surprise, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, going to be crucial. So lastly, I'll wrap up with Trevor Harris. Uh, I hung out with him a little bit this weekend. He was at the the draft yesterday. Right. I really like what he's doing. He's having his own mini camp with the receivers before camp. He's hold, <laughs> he's holding when he told me, and I said, "Hey, you got yourself. You're staying in the dorms at the U of R." He goes. He kind of sheepishly said, listen, I, I respect the game and I trust the game. He mm-hmm. goes, I haven't made the team yet. And mm-hmm. I do this every year. I, mm-hmm. I don't get a place. I'm not going to rent a place. I've got a couple picked out, but I don't get a place till I know I've made the team. Mm-hmm. To me, that speaks uh, to, to leadership. And I don't think it's fake leadership. Like He looks like he is uh, he's genuinely happy to be the quarterback of the Riders. And he, he's a quiet leader. I don't think he's going to no. take the room over. Rah, rah, and but I, and, and you've said that. Said but that. I, but I, love, I, I love what I'm hearing from him and seeing from him so well, he's far. saying all the right things, right? Yeah. And I think that that's exactly the attitude that you want a starting quarterback who's new to the system to take. You want him to be to be willing, just as willing to do all the hard things, all the extra things, just as willing as Matt Dean and Evan Florian and right um, what they need to do. Yeah, he needs to do as well. And and if he's and if he's seen doing those little things and and really trying to assimilate himself and really working hard for the guys, it's going to be much easier when he does take that starting quarterback role because the guys are going to respect. Now, I, I think you're right. I think that he's, you know, so far so good, right? Like he's he's come in um, and and you know organizing his guys right to get yeah. to get some timing down, right? There's nothing nothing fancy is going to go on, but it's just good to get out and get throwing with the guys, right? You spend all off season throwing to guys that you're never going to see back until mm-hmm. you know until you get back home after the season, right? Yeah. So you got to get in with your guys, and you're you're right, man. Like, hey, look, I haven't made the team. 
right? Neither have a bunch of other people, right? And when they know that the franchise guy who's sitting over in the locker is going back to the dorms with them, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rub off. And when you have younger players, the best part about surrounding younger players with vets with that attitude is after the meetings, the, there's people there that you can ask questions to that actually know the answers. Mm. And that is so critical for young guys to get to the next level to actually make the team. This was fun, man. Can't let's wait. Go. Let's can't go to wait. camp, man. I'm can't, ready to go. Can't wait. This has been the Sports Cage coming up. Our radio auction with Cody and Gloria here on 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.